Hello, and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. My name is Alicia, and I will be hosting this month as Jesse is unable to join us. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Rachel. My pronouns are they, them. Today we have Lewis with us, another first-time Talking Triple Crown guest, and we are super excited to finally talk All Japan with him on the podcast. Lewis, please introduce yourself and let everyone know where they can find you. Hi, I'm Lewis. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, you can find me at Hideki Suzuki's Purple Trunks. I feel like that's the easiest way to find me. Uh, yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. We have quite a few shows and developments to get through. This was a huge month, so let's get into it. Day one of Dynamite series was on June 6th at Sun Machida Asahi Gymnasium in Tokyo. I'm going to read out the card. We had Dan Tamara. He defeated Ryo Inoue in 7 minutes and 48 seconds. We had Takao Amori and Yoshitatsu. They defeated Black Menso Rei and Sushi at 7 minutes and 45 seconds. Hokuto Amori and Naruki Doi defeated Zenichi Shin Jedai, Atsuki Aoyagi, and Rising Hayato 11 minutes and 3 seconds. Then we had Manabu Soya, who defeated Hikaru Sato in 8 minutes and 7 seconds. We had Satoshi Kojima and Yuji Nagata. They defeated Voodoo Murders, Jun Saito, and Rei Saito at 11 minutes and 25 seconds. We had Masashi Takeda and Shuji Ishikawa, who defeated Ryuki Honda and Yusuke Kodama at 11 minutes and 4 seconds. And then Tsuwama, Yuma Anzai, and Zenichi Shinjidai, Kento Miyahara, and Yuma Aoyagi. Um, they went to a time limit draw. That was a 30-minute time limit draw. All right, so kicking it off, um, pretty pretty heavy or pretty uh, pretty good show. Did you guys have any uh, favorite matches from the show, Lewis? I think a lot of the time when you see, well, I mean, you watch a th- uh, or you, you realize that you're watching a thirty minute time limit draw. You go, it's going to be pretty dragged out. And by the second brawling to the outside, I was kind of like, okay, I think I know what we're kind of installed for. But um, that was. Like real, like I mean, obviously everyone, the components in that match are all good, but that was a really, really good thirty-minute time limit draw. Um, and you know, uh, I'll th- throw him up, but we have the king back finally, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, he's probably got a little bit of amen, uh, amends that he needs to make still, but we have him back. Um, we don't have his music back. I don't think I didn't hear it. Um, but no, not yet. Yeah, not yet. It's it's coming. It's coming. So as as is the evolution print on the back of the trunks, he's slowly, slowly earning his points back with the boys, and and eventually he'll get there. But um, yeah, I just think um, God, it's nice to have a Suama back that really is <laughs> doing stuff. You know, like more than just brawling on the outside or trying to cheat and hit people with chairs. It's really nice. I agree with you I thought this match was excellent I actually meant to circle back to this one because it feels like I watched it three years ago June felt Mm. like a long month but I did love this match I did think that the hard cam was a little bit limiting for this match I wish they were in a different venue for this but that being said I thought this aces match just rocked 
this like Suwama and Yuma interaction like in this match made me just like want a singles match between them again I thought that they were um a huge part of this match they were awesome they were like brutalizing each other during this and um the maybe next stream sort of pairing and we're going to talk about it later. This is really not an extreme pairing at all, but the Miyahara and um, Yuma pairing, they were just a specific brand of cruel seniors to Yuma Anzai. It played really well. There was that spot in the corner where they were torturing Anzai. He hits Kento with this beautiful sucker punch and Kento sells this like Anzai killed him. It was beautiful. It looked awesome. Um, and then Yuma just turned around and just beat down Anzai for it. Like there was just so many of those good little moments in this um, that were fantastic. I thought the suplex sequences in this were, were great too. And then you had um, like Suwama, like Lewis is kind of illustrating for us, like really feeling like Suwama again and getting the crowd behind him. They were really like putting him over and he's like throwing his arms in the air. And like, it just felt really good to have our, you know, our two established aces Yuma Aoyagi is is very much I think in a good position we'll get to that towards the end of the month and then our you know our our ace on the rise if you will um with Yuma Anzai um in this match together this this felt like just all Japan and it felt great it's really funny to watch this match and sort of think about where we were when it was first announced because Suwama was in Voodoo Murders and um Yuma and Kento weren't really on the verge of a tag team revival. Um, and at this point, they they really were. And like you said, they were playing that mean senior role. But also while watching this match, it was really exciting to sort of um, see them sort of come together. You, of course, had that like little missed shot towards the end um, of the match with Anzai. And it sort of seemed to set up a future story for them to piece things together and, and challenge for the tag belts at that time. Um, so that that was just really exciting to watch, but it it's nothing I would have expected when the match was first announced. Um, and and it it was great. It worked out perfectly well. I do agree with you with the hard cam. Um, I felt that way the entire show. The venue was huge, and I think that these these guys were really really excited to take advantage of this massive venue. Um, you, you know, you have the a lot of good brawling spots, a lot of um, balcony. You have a balcony spot. Like it's they're really excited to be in this big venue, but it's a hard cam show. So um, there were some limits there and and that's sort of how I felt about that. But it, it was fun to watch um, Anzai sort of in that walk and brawl and showing off his own little mean side was really cool too. And I loved it. I thought this match was phenomenal. Kento and, and Yuma are so funny because obviously when, they, when they're very serious, they're very serious and they're incredible, but god both of them are such idiots at times like it's <laughs> it's hilarious to, like um i think it was the spot where yuma was holding anzai on the ropes and kento went to hit him i think it was the big with the big boot and he caught anzai on uh, sorry he caught yuma on the hand and <laughs> just the cell of like god damn like just walking away shaking his hand like in and you know obviously everyone laughing about it. it's just like there are little moments kind of like check it in there at times where you, you just can't help but laugh even even with a match like this where it's like everyone is working pretty damn hard majority of the time um both of them just have to kind of throw in tiny little things there that just kind of make you laugh at, at any given moment yeah that's sort of the beauty of their of their relationship over time and it's what made i think their original run together um really special and when they revived it as well when they were um tag champions that like 
when they're on they're on but they also have those like beautiful moments of like just total like slapstick and then physical comedy that comes across great and it's it's interesting to see those moments kind of come through here in a time period where they're not next stream we're not looking at extreme kento and yuma things have changed dramatically between them since Yuma got his first singles win against Kento in Champion Carnival. So it's just fascinating to watch them navigate this, but they do it so seamlessly. The commitment to character from both of them, it's not just Kento, the commitment to character from also Yuma is tremendous. And we see this throughout the entire month. So yeah, this was, I think, a really exciting main event for all those little moments uh, between them, but also between the four of them. And speaking of little character moments, after this main event, um, we got some sort of juicy details with Suwama and uh, Evolution. I was wondering about your thoughts on that. Of course, um, Suwama calls out Dan and Hiker Sato from the back and proclaims that he is going to um, reunite and rejoin Evolution. And both men sort of stare at him and um they they refuse him and um Sato turns away and sort of and gets Dan to go with him and and they both sort of um walk off and it, it was a heartbreaking moment um mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk about sort of what that leads to in a bit but um yeah it was it was heartbreaking I was wondering what your takeaways from that was you know, it's funny, you and I recently, Rachel, we we just rewatched that like incredible, like maybe four act play between everybody when uh Lewis, you'll probably remember this is the this is the card when Jake Lee and Suwama have a singles match. And this is when he's like, We don't know what's happening with Total Eclipse. We don't know what's going on. They have a singles match. Suwama gets DQ'd, it's a mess, and then Yuma comes out for the save. And then you have like all of this like evolution drama, like blow up. And then Shotaro comes from the back and he shakes like the hand of um of Dan and Sato. This is what it kind of reminded me of. Like that's like the drama that we got back that I think I've been sort of missing because All Japan is really good at like these like weird moments of like just pure like acting for the sake of acting to drive something home and um to have this like evolution stuff play out here was just really funny and sort of fascinating and also really sad because like they've they've um had such issues now with each other for as long as Sumama's been fully committed to however they're explaining what happened to him during this time amnesia a possession like whatever we're going with right so yeah, I think that like it's the inevitable, right? Like we've been waiting like for that confrontation and to see them walk off without him and not initially accept him back. That was like super heartbreaking, but it was also good to see Dan walk away from Suwama, which he's had trouble doing in the past. He's usually been like like oh, you know, and then he kind of goes and like he follows Suwama out. He did not. He's he was done with Suwama at that at least at that time. Um and followed Sato out. So it was good at least to see that, but um I do like the drama and the theatrics of a moment like that. It's interesting too because obviously Sato definitely was on the receiving end of some of the torture from Voodoo Murder and Suwama himself. But Dan like not like anyone else was just beaten and beaten and beaten on for months really so yeah uh, i mean if if you sato i think i mean we've all seen the video of him praying to the image of 
um, Swama in the back. Um, that's, that, that's, I think that's kind of inbuilt in that relationship. But yeah, I think Dan, I mean, obviously you would understand that there is uh, a lot of healing that needs to be done um, in, in that regard after being hit by <laughs> uh, all manner of chairs, wooden planks, uh, dog collar, like it, all manner of things over time. Um, so yeah, absolutely understandable. Yeah. And then of course it, uh, sort of turned into, uh, Swama deciding that this was, they were going to reunite anyway and booked a whole reunion show, like almost immediately after, um, which then sort of leads into all together. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but, uh, let's talk about the rest of this show. Uh, one match that I, I did actually really enjoy was Manabu Soya, uh, versus Hikaru Sato. Of course I am a big Soya fan and, and we'll definitely talk about more about him during the month. Um, one thing I actually want to read is one of my notes, like word for word, it says, this has nothing to do with AJPW, but his beard being so thick and his hair is getting so washed out. I'm genuinely worried that he's going to be the next to leave Congo and I'm not ready to deal with that. And this was of course way back in the day. So I, I wanted to read that out, but, but the match itself, I really liked. Um, there was a really, really brief kick chop battle and I really wanted to see more of that. I, I didn't think they went as far into that as um, they should have. I really liked Soya's expression after receiving some of those kicks. It was just really, really good. Um, sort of reminds you of who his tag partner is and and gives you that feeling of like, yeah, this is the tag champion. And, you know, him and Keno are a force to reckon with. I thought he looked great. Um, Sato looked fantastic. It was just good. Um, Soya looked dominant. It just leaves a lot of fun questions on who we were going to get for the next tag team challengers. And um, yeah, it was it was just really good. And, um, and then afterwards, I believe Soya was also very insistent that any challengers would have to come to him in NOAA, um, deferring to what Kano had said, which, again, sort of that constant reminder that they are a tag team and, and this is, they are the champions. And that's just sort of um, one thing I really like about Soya is that he's always very um, story-minded, character-minded, and detail-oriented. Yeah, 100%. I think it's interesting because um, it, it doesn't happen that often but there's something about sato wrestling heavyweights that i've always really enjoyed i think it's i think it might be because of just because of his tenure and how long he's been around and the style in which he wrestles he not always but a lot of the time looks quite in control of juniors other juniors a lot of the time um and can and usually manhandle them pretty well but then it comes to something like this where (laughs) um sawyer is obviously twice the size of this man and he's just being battered and i think he works really well from underneath as well in regards to that kind of uh like underdog situation i yeah i don't know i just i love sato he's such a weird guy but like just in that in in kind of the later that he uh, talks about um, that whole like kind of like shoot style kind of wrestling, and then you throw in the personality that he has, I think is um yeah, it's always really interesting with people that have a bit more of a an edge to them in that kind of way. No, I agree. Really, really good points. Um, I I also really enjoyed this match because I thought it was interesting, and this is kind of speaks to maybe what both of you are saying um about both of these guys but i liked watching soya try to figure out how to get inside on sato without taking that much damage from the kicks so it was a really good match of both of these guys being that there's um 
what would you call a weight class difference, style difference. I liked them trying to figure out how um, it's like almost like watching like a chess match happen of like, how do we defeat each other in this? So in that way, I thought it was actually a really, really good match. It's probably after the main event, the only match that I had a significant amount of notes on because it was so interesting to me um, to see them work together. And I just really liked like I said, just, just Soya, like, like trying to, you could see him trying to figure out how to get inside and take um, Sato down without um, taking damage off those kicks. So yeah, I thought that was a super cool fight. What did you guys think of Hokuto Amori and Naruki Doi versus Rising Hayato and Atsuki Ayagi? So I know uh, on this podcast, the fours and against of Atsuki's new music. Uh, can, can I get a show of hands of who is a fan of it? I can't quite remember who it was. Yes, see? And, that's, and, 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 and when it comes down to it, when history is written, that is the right side of history, in my opinion. <laughs> yes, okay, the sides are even now. You yeah, know, Captain 100%. Lou also recently tweeted that he likes it. So I okay, feel like no. now I'm on the losing side. I can't the remember what Jesse too. thought. Yeah. I think me and Jesse a- didn't like it. There's a caveat, though, I feel like, to it, though, which is if it was only ever Atsuki walking out to it, I would probably feel a little bit more on the fence about it. But it's the the team of him and Hayato together. Mm. I think it just, Mm. like, perfectly matches the two of them in regards to aesthetic, attitude, kind of just everything, really. Um, But, yeah, I think that, for me, that um, I see, and that's the thing, like, it's so, it's such a good fit that I can't even remember the original song. And I think that, like, for me, that's how I like to remember stuff is, like, uh, it's the same with uh, Yuma. Like, Yuma's, and I, I, it's the same person. Is that, that's right, isn't it, that, um, for the themes? Or is it somebody else? Maybe I'm completely making that up, I think. Is it the same person, Rachel? Don't, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't know where I heard that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think um, it's a great fit. It's an awesome fit. And especially now for, I, I know, obviously, this look has changed a little bit. Um, in terms of color palette and stuff like that um, from the gear that he had before, which I think design-wise is pretty similar. It's just the the palette has changed. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, yeah, in terms of the attitude of the two of them together when tagging, um, this song specifically as they walk out together, I don't think you could find a better fit, honestly. Hmm. I'll have to keep that in mind next time I watch them walk out together. But in terms of this match, I didn't really have a ton of notes. I did kind of laugh that Hokuto was back with the juniors i feel so bad for him i don't know what's going on i feel like our our poor friend um hokuto amori is is still in like that weird like identity crisis period where they're just like they're not even really sure what to do with him right now but regardless i did note that hokuto and hayato i liked them going against each other in this match but um i don't think that's really surprising i think that like uh Hayato works well with quite literally everyone it's hard to find someone he doesn't work uh, work well against um I do think that Hokuto as the month goes on and we get into other cards he had some great matches like Hokuto had some standout moments as we get further into June that I'm excited to talk about more so I just thought it was kind of an okay match I didn't think that there was a ton of um really standout matches to be honest beyond Soya and Sato and then the main but I do want to say um, in terms of like the the voodoo murders match with the old men from the Lion Company, the only noteworthy thing about that <laughs> tag match was that Suwama did come out at the end to mess with the twins. So we have this just for everybody listening. We still have this ongoing like Suwama 
he is he is like still has like a vendetta against the twins because they keep murder bagging him obviously and they kicked him from voodoo murder so we still have this like war between suama and the twins which is ongoing and he came out to mess with them at the end um of that match so there there you go you have that at least and then the other note i wanted to make and i wanted to see if you guys remembered this and maybe had thoughts on this i was kind of getting into the um takeda and ishikawa match versus honda and kodama like i was getting into that the thing that really took me out of the match was that nikon lee ref bump like what what was that supposed to be like why why did that happen that like really bothered me because like I normally like Takeda but I just didn't understand like why Nikon Lee was taking a ref bump like that I just that like really took me out of the match but I did like aspects of the match because I thought that Honda looked good but I don't know I don't know if anyone remembers that or had strong feelings about that but I just remember watching it and being like why is this happening this is so weird I also wrote down that I was confused I I wrote like maybe I'm not that familiar with Takeda so I didn't know what they were trying like I didn't know what they were trying to do that led to the ref bump. Like I, it just, I don't know. Something didn't fit for me that I, I definitely do remember that. It's uh, cause I have it on my notes here. It's like my last um, point that I made under this match is like, why, why does this weird mishmash of two teams work so well together? Cause that last like five to 10 minutes, I want to say is at a work at like a pretty good pace. And is like uh, in terms of, um, especially Ishikawa and Takeda together as a tag team really worked. I don't know what it was, um, but yeah, yeah. The reference was really strange. It was really, it, yeah, I'm not really sure, but like, you know, other things like Kadama obviously doesn't work for this company anymore. He he's um, freelancing. I think freelancing for the most point. Um, why? I mean, so he's a guest now in this company. So why would you try and commit murder against this man? He no longer works here. And you're trying to throw him from a height, a quite a height in comparison to what we have in terms of most brawls. And yeah, I don't know. I just think it's, it was such a weird combination of people. And then, but just ended up working so well. And we have Pants Ishikawa in that as well, which is another fashion statement that I think um, I, <laughs> I think I'm outnumbered by in terms of what we prefer <laughs> uh, for trunks and, and, and pants. But yeah strangely good like really re- like I really enjoyed it I thought it was um the last cl- couple of closing minutes on that match I went I don't understand why like none of them tag together at all and so but they all work so perfectly well together that's actually a good point I should have I should have put this actually in our outline but I I didn't think to because this, there was literally so much happening in this month like almost every other hour I had to stop and put something in this outline so something was going to go amiss but that's a good point about Kodama. He has never been signed, but he is really doing a ton of freelancing. I'm assuming this is because, like, I mean, he's 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 Gunier of Anarchy, yet we're not really doing Gunier of Anarchy stuff right now because we don't know when Shotaro is coming back. We're going to talk about some weirdness around Honda later, but, like, we'll, we'll get into it, but... We're, we're clearly not doing a lot with Gunyar of Anarchy right now, which is really disappointing because it felt like Gunyar of Anarchy was the moment last year, right? Like we mm-hmm. talked about those guys a lot in our end of year episode for Kickout. And now with Shotaro getting injured twice, he got injured twice. And that's why I think we have seen a stall momentum. And now we are definitely like, I don't think we're ever really going to see Kuma or Doi like back in this company. Like they're done. I think Kuma went to um, Gombre. He went to Gompro. 
which seems to be fairly official. And then I think that um, Doi is just working the indies as he's always kind of worked them, but like they're gone. It feels so strange, but like we, yeah, it's just, it's odd. It's really weird to see. And then we'll talk more about Honda and like kind of where he is right now. Um, but it just feels like, man, like we were like, we started out so like, like Gunnar Anarchy was like just so cool. And then I think just through like a bit of bad luck with Shotaro getting injured, like we're just in a weird place with them. So man. Yeah, it's sorry. Go ahead, uh, Rachel. No, I was just gonna agree and also say that yeah, Kodama will will die on any show at any time for any reason. It's, <laughs> it's a skill, really impressive. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you pointed that out, Lewis. Because, but yeah, like it, I missed seeing him around. I miss I miss what Goodyear of Anarchy sort of was, and it was really, really only getting started, and now we're already sort of plateauing, and it, it's very bizarre. And I'm I'm not in love with it but um we'll we'll hold out hope that um when Shotaro comes back maybe some order will be established to the anarchy but uh we'll we'll see I'm I'm not particularly optimistic yeah it's I mean it's interesting because obviously when all those guys originally came over um we went in we were well, we were in or going into a really hard time obviously with COVID but it's a shame because I think everyone from the original and fonts that did come over were like, and still would be incredibly useful now in terms of tag teams, singles, anything really applying across the entire card. It, it is a shame that Kodama, uh, Kuma and Doi uh, can't find a spot or, or, or don't have a spot in the, in these cards because I think they would bring all of them, all three of them would bring something of value um, to these cards. Not that there's, it's missing in any kind of regard, but I, I think for the most part, everyone really enjoyed uh, their multi-man work together and also uh, tags and singles on their own as well. I think they all really did a good job um, when they were in the company. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Kind of a weird way to end a particular era of this company, to be sure. Do we have any other significant notes on day one? The only thing I had written down was during the Saito's and um, the old men match was about June taking out his hair tie and the audience <laughs> cooing and gassing him up while like when he took it out, it was a big the dramatic moment. He really seemed to relish it. I thought it was really good. I think that they're working genuinely working on their characters and their um, comedic timing in a really like fun way. And they're sort of getting into like the Saitos are getting into their character. Like that was a legitimate note that I wanted to talk about um, because I, I did actually really enjoy that about the match. Otherwise, the, the most interesting part was the body bag and, and Suwama coming in so Nagata could sneak in the victory. But but yeah, I enjoyed the hair tie, hair tie antics. Oh, uh I'll talk about it a bit more in a moment, I would assume. But um, those two, yeah, they've come a long way uh, in term. And I know some people want to rag on them as much as possible and for whatever reason or one another, but they've come a long way in terms of just picking up little nuances for their own characters. I mean, I love that. I think it's, I think it's Ray um, who takes the singlet off and then throw that, uh, sorry, the, yeah, the um, singlet off and then throws it as far as he can. And you would assume, oh, okay, that's to give to somebody possibly in the crowd. No, every single time uh, an attendant runs and grabs it. I've, I've watched it and he throws it really far too, like really far into like quite a few rows deep. And you always see somebody run up, okay, please have that back and then run back to the side of the ring. But yeah, I, I love them. I think they're just huge 
big dumb idiot goofs and I think like that's they're really fun yeah well said I will say this about the Saitos um they had a great month I think that as characters and the work that they've done on that and like how like funny like genuinely funny they are this was a good month also I would so much rather watch a company that takes two guys who need a lot of work but then actually puts the work into them than a company that has a bunch of guys just kind of sitting around and no work is being put into them and they're not being used and they never get any better we can see the growth in the Saitos where are they ever going to be like the people we're looking to main event the Budokan for the triple crown no probably realistically not but you don't need everybody to be that guy And what we're going to get out of them, I think, is actually going to be great for what we need to fill out our mid card. And I think that's that's great. Why wouldn't we want that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll talk to talk about a bit more in a minute. But, yeah, I think um, I think those roles are so important. And I think a lot of I mean, we can't we can't have a company full of Kento, you know, It, it because then by comparison, what is there to kind of be like, well, this is great. You know, like you have to have um a spectrum of different talent and ability uh to go in the ring so that you can go okay this is you know whatever a lull this is middle ground and this is top tier work um that you can compare compare to um because if everything's great all the time then by virtue nothing is like <laughs> that's just how it works unfortunately <laughs> no that's beautiful i'm glad that we have you on specifically to talk about this because you had tweeted some thoughts about this too um mm. when we were all using a meme to be funny but you used it to be very poignant so um i'm glad that you did that but actually let's use this to segue into our next segment because um you are going to have some great thoughts about this too so we've got to step away from dynamite series just for a bit and we're going to pivot over to glate on june 7th um, they had an event at Corken Hall. June and Ray Saito participated and challenged Bulk Orchestra, which is Trek Shimatani and Hayato Tamara, for the G Infinity Tag Belts. And the Saito Twins won in 18 minutes and 16 seconds during the co-main event. So, Lewis, I'm going to throw it back to you. I remember you messaging me about this. So I really want to hear you talk about this match and why you loved it. Yeah, um, I think... I might be maybe a little bit on an island because I've heard people talk about it since and every, and I do, definitely has not matched the enthusiasm that I've had. But um, I probably should talk about uh, their opponents just a little bit first and the run that they've been on. Um, Hayato, uh, Tamora and um, Shimatani have been probably one of the standouts, uh, standout features of uh, Great or Glee or whatever it is for a while now like this this tag run has gone on for quite a few defenses um and i was just looking back at it today and i don't think in terms of opponents there's nobody that they've really faced that are quite like the saitos and especially in size like i think for the most part great is like a very fast pace smaller guy kind of promotion i mean hayatu is quite large um in comparison to most people on this roster but neither of them, and especially Czech, um, neither of them are anything in terms of the size of the Saitos. Um, and so going in, that was obviously, I think, a massive component of, well, these guys are, you know, they don't work the same style as the as the tag champions. They're massive dudes, um, and they obviously represent um, all Japan in this. But I think, yeah, again, you know, you're right. Are they holy demon army level in terms of tag, uh, tag team? No, they're not. And that's okay. Like they, they absolutely 
fill the role that they need to fill. And I think they know the role that they have, um, not only in all Japan, although, you know, wouldn't mind if they moved away from Voodoo Murders, wouldn't mind if they wrestled matches like this on a more consistent basis rather than throwing Suwama and others in in body bags for them to then win uh, tournaments later in the year, which is proven to be the case in most cases. If you put get put in a body bag, you're in good stead to win whatever <laughs> tournament you're going to be in <laughs> later in the year. But I think... Uh, yeah, I, I think their work against those two, um, which they, they will make most people look small in comparison, was great. You know, like they, they are not the the fastest of, of workers, um, and the styles that they uh, the style that they t- typically work is at a slower pace. And I think at times that might have been a little bit exposed, and that um, and that happens. But I think uh, as a whole, um, they have earned this. I think they've really put in a lot of work. Uh, it's a shame that it wasn't uh, a title in all Japan first, like the like the All Asia, which is really doing not a whole lot at this point. Um, but I think I think it's definitely earned uh, from from those two because I think ever since they've come back, uh, they haven't really taken their foot off the gas. Not only in tags, but I think also in in singles as well uh, through the Champion Carnival. I think they definitely showed that. Both of them, um, Ray maybe a little bit more than June, has merit as a work, as a singles worker when they need to be called upon. I think it was you and was Compa on my timeline when this match was happening that was like being the most enthusiastic. And I think that mm. I think it's good. I think that you know they're not going to be for everyone, but realistically, they have improved. They really have from when they got brought back from excursion to now. They absolutely have. So I'm excited that you've given such eloquent praise for that match and people can obviously check that one out i believe on youtube is that where people can go for great yeah i mean it's the whole show um so you'll have to find it i think it's the semi-main from memory i'm pretty sure it's that that, that show um but yeah uh, absolutely um go and check it out even the main the main's worth it too and we've uh i mean uh another wrestle one alumni uh is in that main event in takanoyito so definitely go and check it out and uh, when you're watching that show, definitely hit the um, watch the beginning as well, because there is a press conference with the um, Saitos um, talking to Tamara and Shimitani. It's really funny. Um, you you have Ray just basically doing guttural shouting um, and shrieking. And then June sort of translates for him. And of course, June's still like, we'll destroy you. And that's pretty much all he says. But um, it's it's very funny, and, and it goes back to what I was saying. Like they're just really getting an eye for their character, and uh, you definitely want to check that out. Excellent. So now, what we're going to do is pivot over to All Together again, which is the June sixth show that was orchestrated by New Japan Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Noah, and of course All Japan Pro Wrestling, and that was held in Ryogoku Kogikikan. And this was a card that celebrated pro wrestling as a whole and was meant to reward fans for enduring the years of hiatuses, restrictions, and anxiety in the pro wrestling industry due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And now Talking Triple Crown previewed all together again in our end of May episode. And Rachel Deswari and I recently reviewed it for Kickout. So please check that out if you haven't listened to that yet. And thank you to those of you who have. But today we're just going to focus on the All Japan matches from that card because we want to hear Lewis's opinions on 
how it all went. So first I'll just read the matches out. I am going to skip the sort of battle royale that was like, you know, quote unquote, what zero hour. It's like all together again, zero hour. I'm going to skip that, even though we, I think we had Rio Inoue and Black Menso Ray um, featured in that. But for the main card, we had Shota Umino. He defeated Yoshitatsu in five, sorry, five minutes and 58 seconds. We had Axis, Goshi Ozaki and Katsuhiko Nakajima, they defeated Hokuto Omori and Toshi Kojima in 9 minutes and 12 seconds. And I just want to add there that Kojima subbed in for Ishikawa. We had United Empire, Aaron Hanare, Francesco Akira, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and TJP. They defeated Voodoo Murders, Jun Saito and Rei Saito, Dan Tamara, Hikoro Sato, and Ryuki Honda in 11 minutes and 41 seconds. We had Tsuwama, Yuji Nagata, and Yuma Anzai. They defeated Los Ingobernables de Japon. That's Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Naito in 8 minutes and 31 seconds. In the co-main, Amakasa, Atsuki Aoyagi, and Hiromu Takahashi. They defeated Hayata, Master Wato, and Rising Hayato in 12 minutes and 23 seconds. And then our main event was Kazuchika Okada, Keno, and Yuma Aoyagi defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kaito Kiyomiya and Kento Miyahara in 23 minutes and 22 seconds. So, Lewis, where do you want to begin? Do you want to go just down from the top? Can you start with um, Shota and Yoshitatsu? Because I think I just need to hear you talk about Tatsu for a minute. Let's start with that. Sure, sure. This singles match, this being the one singles match on this card, is an interesting choice, uh, is probably the polite way of putting it. Um, I watch quite a bit of um, Puro just in general uh, through most companies. And so I've obviously seen Shota uh, a fair bit over the last year. Um, and I've seen Yoshitatsu and have seen Yoshitatsu both in person and uh, obviously throughout this month. Uh, the difference in quality between those two are, is not massive, uh, I'm going to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think... I think it's an interesting choice putting these two in there in terms of they are obviously for difference in time of their careers quite far apart at this point in terms of quality and how much they bring in the ring at this, at this point. uh, I think they're closer than what most people would think in my opinion. And maybe that's going a little bit too hard on Umino, but um, I think out of, I think out of everyone that you could possibly bring from that younger generation that has now come back, I think he has been pushed the hardest and I think he's honestly struggled the most uh, in terms of, of who they have for the younger guys at this point because uh, Narita seems very comfortable being uh, Shibata's shadow and uh, Suji is obviously who he is and every, everyone knows that at this point. Um, but I think, I mean, it was pretty inoffensive. It was very quick. They got in, they got out, Shota got the win, pretty much immediately rolled out, walked through the crowd, and that was that. Like, that was the end of of the match. Um, I think it was... Tatsu definitely could have capitalized on this big of an opportunity um, a bit more because he kind of just looked like he was sleepwalking through most of that match, um, which is a shame for him. Uh, But then again, I don't know if I expect all that much different uh, in terms of his quality and, and... and his input at this point in his career. I think the two, I think the two things that I would probably point out are the Axis uh, tag against uh, Amori and Kojima. It's a real shame Ishikawa couldn't be in this because I was really, really looking forward to both his interactions with Go and Katsu. 
Um, so, and, and I mean, Jimmy did a great job and he, and he usually does do a pretty inoffensive job uh, when put into matches like this. But I thought Omori, like, I know, I know we spoke, uh, we spoke earlier about him in terms of, it seems like he's just been lumped back in with the juniors, uh, which is unfortunate, but the opportunities that he got throughout this month to really be like, here is my, like, eyes are on me right now. I need to make the most of this. This tag, I think is, is it better than the main event for me? I think it means more to me because obviously I've watched Amori from the day that he's pretty much debuted up until this point and all the changes that have happened with him. And he, the entire time was an agitator and like to get under Katsuhiko Nakajima's skin as much as he did and get as much in as he did the entire time was impressive, really impressive because it was just the entire time he was just being a little shit like towards the both of them really from the start. I mean, from throwing Kojima out to start the match to doing a in, incredibly bad job of um, of doing Katsu's pose in the corner when he when he is pushing them into the corner with his feet. Um, shocking! <laughs> no upper body strength in holding himself there whatsoever. Yeah. Just slouching on those ropes. I, I thought he he took the ball and ran with it really um, with the with the opportunity that he had there um, and again really I mean most of these these matches were incredibly quick apart from the, the main event but um for what they had it was just like it was really well like well done in the nine minute twelve seconds that they had um, to just make I think Amori look great. I'm with you. I thought that this one was really like the impressive match and like is that loaded with bias yeah but in terms of the statement i think that hokuto made i thought that he was one of the more impressive people of the night and like to your point absolutely walked away with more than perhaps other folks did on this card it was definitely i think the launching point for hokuto turning around i think the last several weeks for him and then having like a week carnival for like and for us as all japan fans like that was rough but Mm -hmm. this i think is like the the jumping off point to the much better rest of the month he had to be sure yeah i think um i know this exactly well i mean he's on this card but something i i i I think i i've i've struggled with for a while now ever since making the decision was in my mind it made so much more sense for tomorrow to be a heavyweight than it did for hokuto to be a heavyweight for a long time now I think that decision to keep Dan as a massive junior and Hokuto to be moved up, I think that is that they couldn't have done a better thing for for both of them as well as mm-hmm. us as viewers. Um, I think Dan would have been. Uh, I mean, and, and only in all Japan can you say this, but maybe a little bit of an undersized heavyweight, only because of just how huge most of the guys are on the roster that are heavyweights. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think Hokuto has made that work to his advantage. And I mean, looking at this match, I, I, I did just think, God, he's really <laughs> bogged up. Like, I think, I think I kind of forget at times. Um, and he has really bulked up. But I think, I think that decision has worked really well for both of these guys, where it's just like Hokuto always has a chip on his shoulder anytime he's fighting another heavyweight most of the time because they outsize him most of the time. And I think that works really well for him. And he, you know, he's a little, he's a little shit. And like, that's just his thing. Like he, he agitates and annoys you into making mistakes. And that that's ultimately what he was doing. The entire match was pissing off Go and, and um, Nakajima um, into getting hit with copious amounts of elbows um, most of the time. And I think that works. That That's when he's working at his best is, 
is from underneath um, as somebody that is slightly smaller than most of the roster. Um, but I think that I think that's a good position for him. Um, what else is there to talk about? I mean, the main event is is probably the next thing. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. I'm going to gush about Rising Hayato for a bit, and I'm going to do it a lot um, throughout this entire <laughs> month because there is so much to talk about with this man. Um, this was, I mean, there is a match, and I'm sure both of you know what match that is, later uh, in a couple of shows that I think have has just cemented him as some, in my mind at least, as somebody who is, at that at the, now very close to the top of this like of the junior division if not right there with Atsuki I think um I think he's done so much work in the last year uh not only character wise but in ring wise everything to just really say yeah look this this position that I've been put in um and the trust I've been given is absolutely warranted and I'm like I'm going to make the most of that and I think that definitely shone through shone through in this match um what have we got here? Rising Yeah, look, I mean, Amaksa, we know he's great. Uh, the way that he throws his body at extreme speeds uh, terrifies me and astonishes me at the same time. Um, I think, but yeah, I, I don't know what to say because, like, both in my mind, both Atsuki and, and Hayato um, are, one, are, some, are two of the best juniors in the entire scene like in general i think throughout most companies and the fact that not only are they like i think i think it's fair to say generational rivals but they're also incredible an incredible tag team and like i mean not since maybe i would say maruken is probably a comp that i mean it's a big comp but i think it's a comp that i would use in terms of people that work so well together but then are so good against each other as well. Um, I think I think that's definitely something that I can see. Um, and I just think, apart from again Tatsu, I think any All Japan uh, talent on this card really tried to make the most of the position that they were given here uh, and the spotlight that, that, that they had on them. Uh, the United Empire card against Voodoo Murders, Dan, uh, Hikaru. And Honda, it's not their fault. It's a weird team. It's a very strange team to put in together. So the the um, I don't know the working together, the teamwork essentially on, on that shouldn't have worked anyway by by uh, I guess storyline standards. But um, I think I yeah I, I just think any any and every opportunity given to an all Japan talent on these cards, uh, they took it and ran with it as as hard as they possibly can. And I think that's that's kind of the story of all of these crossover events is like, this is their opportunity to get more eyes on their company. Hopefully. I think that's the idea is that you try and get a bit more traction and flow over to, to um, all Japan TV. But I, yeah, I don't know. I think, I guess my personal opinion on these events, and this is probably where maybe some people will disagree. I have a really, really difficult time watching these shows at points and especially the frequency in which they've happened over the last 12 months. I'm I'm very much of the thought process that, yeah, it's great to have crossover events, but then you probably, no, not probably, you shouldn't touch other companies and their workers should not touch a, a car apart from the odd occasion for at least 12 months after that point like it, it's there should be like that is what makes these special so if you constantly have events where talent are working 
and it's mostly under the banner of New Japan, well, a lot of the time, that they come together. Um, if you constantly have that, it takes away from, I guess, like the the special attraction that that brings at the end of the day. And I think that has been happening far too often over the last 12 months. I think so much interactions within other companies have been happening. And I mean, I can't complain too much because uh, without that, you don't get things like Kensuke office interacting with one another, which I think I'd be a hypocrite if I said, yeah, no, stop it all. Like, no, I obviously want certain interactions to happen. Um, and as, as I'm sure a lot of other people do, but I think a lot of the time, obviously politics come into play here um, in terms of who's going to win, who's going to look good, who we need to protect. And that's understandable. But with that comes the issue that it's never quite what you would possibly imagine uh, that it could be at the end of the day. And, and I think spacing those kind of attractions out keeps the magic essentially of, of these huge companies um, interacting with each other and their roster interacting with each other. No, that's all good points. I think that normally, and like Rachel knows this about me, like very well, normally I'm like very much like a walled garden type mm. of person. Like normally I don't like almost any interaction between the companies that I watch. Um, the issue I think with All Japan is that we're not in a position to not have what I would consider outside interference um, mm. within the promotion. I do think that we, and we've talked about this in topic, Talking Triple Crown, and I think, Lewis, you and I have talked about this just in messaging each other, but there's been outside interference in All Japan where it's it's really not been to our, our favor at all, right? We've had some stuff coming over from New Japan where the results have been very questionable, but also who we've been sent has been very questionable at times. Um, we dealt with like a Tiger Mask Jr., run that at the end was supposed to really like set Atsuki up for a huge moment in the Budokan but Tiger Mask has no rub to give Atsuki in the Budokan and I think most of us would have wanted to see Hikaru Sato have that moment in the Budokan with Atsuki and that was what we were all kind of chasing right so we've we've kind of gone through it with the outside interference I think with these cards and like what ended up impressing me about altogether again I didn't feel and then this I felt this way about the Mudo card too I think the and I don't think you're doing this, Lewis. I think, though, that there are people who are obsessed with the scorekeeping of these cards. But I have mm. been very impressed so far in 2023, at least, that with the New Japan Noah card and then going into Muto's retirement show, which is, again, a retirement show. Really weird that people want to scorekeep with a retirement show. And then this card, the All Together Again show, I didn't feel the need to um to think about the politics of it all or the scorekeeping because we're being given a lot of matches that are happening in a bubble and again you, you brought up like the diamond ring stuff like it's really hard for me to say like oh nope i don't i don't want anyone to talk now for two years because if we had that then we wouldn't get to what we're going to talk about later on in in the show right so i i'm with you it's it's this really weird line of like uh, i really don't often like the the promotion's working together this much clearly though there is a need for it right because if, mm -hmm. if if new japan in particular is coming together to work with all japan which in their minds all japan it's much smaller promotion now right compared to noah compared to um new japan if they're all coming together to work together like this clearly there is a need for it and it's probably mm -hmm. a lot of that boils down to money and economics that you know i'm not going to pretend i i know i know too much about but <laughs> there's there has to be something in the background that is for the person the personal gain but to your point about 
why this show worked so well for All Japan, I think there were a lot of people that were walking away having a lot of questions about Rising Hayato in particular. Also, Atsuki Aoyagi, who's finding himself, I think, in the moment. But also um, Hokuto Mori, a lot of questions about him because he got to have some moments with Katsuko Nakajima. So that's why I think it works for right now, is that we have some eyes on the guys who really matter. And then you have like Suwama, like, I think last riding Bushi into like the next galaxy. <laughs> like, yeah. like I love that to have that lasting impression of Suwama in New Japan fans heads of like him just destroying Bushi with a last ride. That's great. I think we can take that for at least for now. Yeah. I'm, I'm largely, I think I'm a little more on board with crossovers than um, you two generally. I mean, Alicia, I know you and I talk about it a lot, uh, <laughs> but I, I, for the most part agree that like, it's, it's, it depends on the crossover. <laughs> like that's that's really where I'm at. Is and you said it the best. Like a lot of these, you know, I guess crossovers or, or borrowed talent that um, AJPW is getting right now isn't necessarily beneficial to it. Some some of it is. Um, some of it's been that's weird. <laughs> weird. Yeah, that's it. It's it's weird and it's it's questionable and I don't really know what's going on. Um, but you know, some of it's been really, really good and some of it's been uh, fantastic. And and so it's it's really been a mixed bag this year and um, events like this, I think what it comes down to is, is every company, like, are we really speaking to all together, like togetherness? Are we speaking to the point of the event where we are promoting the industry and is every company sort of benefiting from this and and in this case i really did feel like all japan actually came out i, I we're gonna do scorekeeping the winners because they really did <laughs> a huge impression like i mean obviously i have a lot of high toe bias but the amount of fans that walked away like the amount of new japan fan artists i have seen drawing rising hayato just because his look is cool and his character is cool um, because they're they're just sort of entranced by him, and and that's sort of that's sort of a mark of success among among the fans is that when you win over the new Japan fan artists who no longer want to draw Hiromu Takahashi because they're so excited by Hayato, that that's good. And I think um, all Japan really really walked away with that, and and like you said with um, Hokuto and Atsuki, and then also um, Yuma and, and Kento never has anything to prove any at any point, as you could hear by the. Wow. During that main event, he never has anything to prove, but but he's back in you know a lot of New Japan fans' eyes, and they're seeing them, and and then he and um, Yuma sort of kind of a little bit leave the arena together, and that leads to um, what we're actually going to talk about next, and that's the um, the tag challenge. But yeah, like people are thinking about this, and and now they're seeing all Japan, and I think um, in a lot of ways, events like this, I do agree they need to be rare, but I think there's a lot of benefit there. I'll just, sorry, just before we move on, I, I will just um, clarify. Yeah, I look, scorekeeping, everything like that, I agree. I don't think it matters at the end of the day. I think as long as the wrestlers from said company get given an opportunity to showcase what it is they're about and potentially grow the fan base of that company, I think that's all that really matters at the end of the day. I think the importance around these events sometimes for me personally uh, feels like it gets tainted a little bit. Um, I think maybe it's, I think it is just the frequency. I think that is the issue is that because I've seen it so often and look, you're right. In terms of official like events, uh, including other companies, 
it's actually not been that much, but because we've had, you know, Muto's retirement, uh, the junior festival, things of that nature um, consistently over, I think all of that is in the last six-ish months, I want to say. Yeah, pretty much. Ish, yeah. 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 Um, I think in quick succession, it has felt like a lot. And you're right. I mean, officially, two of those three really are own our crossover events and Muto's was just a celebration of everything. I, th- I think that is the thing. It's like we've gone from a period of nobody works with anyone um, to we need to band together due to what the situation is in terms of uh, fan engagement, financial situations, everything like that, so that we can continue to like um, persevere as our own companies uh, going forward. Well said. I feel like we're going to debate this many more times as we had <laughs> <laughs> We had a whole conversation about something else we won't even get into right now, but we are mm. going to debate this mm. um, many more times before the end of 2023. We will we'll circle back around in December, actually, and we'll see if everyone still feels the same way <laughs> about these <laughs> events. How's that? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. So we have two more stops before we get back to Dynamite Series. And the first is over at Pro Wrestling Noah's Sunny Voyage card at Yokohama Radiant Hall. And that was on June 10th. Keno, as many of you listening remember, he still held the AJPW World Tag Team titles with Manabu Soya on the 10th, and he had a main event match against Hiroki, and while speaking to the audience afterward, Kento Miyahara came out from the back and interrupted Keno. Once on the mic, Kento recognized Keno as the face of Noah, which was quite a, a consolidation there, and therefore it was time for him and Keno to meet in the ring. With that, Kento formally declared that he and Yuma would challenge Keno and Soya for the world tag belts next. And that match was set for June 15th in Cork and Hall, with both of them becoming very eager to sell out the building. The last development we need to mention also happened on June 10th at GEN Sports Palace in Tokyo and was ultimately why Kento was flying solo over at NOAA. Yuma Aoyagi and Atsuki Aoyagi took part in the Tenru Project United National Tag Team First Champions One Day Tournament to determine the inaugural winners of the Tenu Project United National Tag Team title. The Aoyagi brothers defeated the team of Kohei Sato and Sushi in the first round, and then defeated the team of Masayuki Kono and Yusuke Kodama in the finals to win the vacant titles. And Yuma looked very emotional in the photos of the two of them afterward when they were posing with the titles. So it's worth looking those photos up. Any thoughts on what happened over at Noah, and then also what happened over at the uh, the Tenu Project Tag Team Tournament. So actually, there's one thing I want to talk about that I learned recently um, about the build to um, Congo versus Yuma and Kento. And that's um, that on the website for All Japan, they accidentally wrote the kanji for tag team incorrectly and it um, read as golf champions instead, um, which led to Keno practicing his golf swing um, just before the show on um, on the fifteenth when he when he made this challenge or when he um, made the tag challenge. So that that's something I really wanted to point out because that's all Japan had to release a formal correction to this. Oh, it was a very God. serious yeah. thing yeah. <laughs> because they accidentally called Keno a golf champion. Yeah, um, but no, um, that's that basically sums up what this um, five day build to the uh, the tag run was basically like, or the tag match was basically like. It was very 
unhinged both men were very eager to face each other and it was really cool to see I was really happy to see um Keno and Kento just very excited to face each other kind of really um have a crack at him during um their tag matches together they had a, a quick exchange but they they really want to fight each other so it's um really really was exciting to have them sort of um being their most selves at each other it was cool to see Kento calling um Keno the the face of Noah and um Keno of course called um himself the face of Noah and um calling himself and Kento the faces of all Japan both of them Keno is for those of you who don't know the guy who retired Suwama so he says so <laughs> we don't know Anyway, but yeah, no, I, I thought this was just really fun. It was really great to see. And I think it, it really says a lot that Kento, the great Kento, the best of the best is acknowledging um, Keno. And I think that says a lot. And I, it was just really fun to see. It's funny. I mean, it, it really does show. I think I think both of them have ju- just saw, yeah, we got five days until this match. We, it's time to really sell in the next five days this match like and like both of them are just just incredible snake oil salesmen in terms of getting over the importance of matches and how much they care about i think that's the more important thing how much they care about the match that they're going into whatever match that's going to be ultimately and yeah i think i think you're talking about two of the most dedicated people to really dialing into the fact that it's like no 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 this means a lot to me i don't really give a shit like i mean i care about the other person but it means a lot to me like and that's what's important that's actually a really good way to phrase that that's really funny yeah i loved um like kento threw himself into bits i'm not even sure he was like you you couldn't get a sense of like necessarily if he felt the bit was gonna land but he was gonna do it anyway and i really appreciate like his commitment to that there's some videos worth watching where they're being interviewed for it was I think it was actually maybe for the fan club, but they made this one available to everybody on YouTube, um, which is great because we never get to see um, some of the fan club exclusive stuff, which makes me really bitter. But um, it's a really great interview where Kento like shows up by screaming and then throwing a bunch of water bottles on him. And um, what's that gentleman's name? The ring announcer. Nakano? Yes. Nakano. So um, (laughs) it's just it's just chaos he's in a congo shirt um which is so wild but the shot that was wild to me was him in his congo shirt and then yuma is holding a noah program and jake lee's face is in the middle of the program it's a noah program and he's holding this the entire like second half of the interview just like holding it up and it's so weird to look at like Keno in his Congo shirt and this program that's a Noah program with Jake Lee's face on it and Yuma's holding it and looking into the ca- the camera and it's like this is very surreal on a couple layers like how did we get here in 2023 could not have predicted that a year a year ago so yeah worth looking up all that stuff it was great um and then I'll just say about the uh the tenure project stuff we me and Lewis talked about this we have not been able to uh to watch this unfortunately I really would like to see it very strange dance partners the Ayagi brothers had to go through to get to that uh win but I I really want to see it I think that like Yuma to me is like he is just um he is all heart and that is like one of the things I adore about him and you can tell that all these little things mean so much to him and he takes a lot of pride in um I think I think anything especially to do with his little brother and how Mm -hmm. much they dreamt about being wrestlers when they were kids and their father's dreams about wrestling with them 
So to see him so emotional about winning those belts with his brother is really, really sweet. And at that point, too, that made um, Atsuki like a double champion because he's got the world junior belt and also one of the, the Tenru tag belts. Um, so, yeah, just just really lovely. Hopefully we'll be able to see um, those matches soon. If anyone has a link, DM, <laughs> DM us. That's, um, yeah, that's the the the... The beauty and the tragedy of Tenryu Project is trying to find shows um, is the hardest thing to do because you look at these cards and they are for, even even things that you're like eh, it might be not that great they most of the time really really land and like I I'm pretty sure this specific card will be out in July um, somewhere I don't know where if I find out where it's going to be I'll obviously let you guys know but. Uh, yeah, it, they're such a strange company. And the way that they, I mean, so a lot of companies are like this. Capture is uh, that where Nomura used to work um, is arguably wor- way worse, actually. But oh, yeah, they're terrible. The, oh, it, appalling to try and find stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think if, if, if the show can be found uh, in next month, I think is what I was told, um, definitely watch it. Because uh, even with the mishmash of teams that the ARGs go up against, it'll be great. It'll be really good. Absolutely. And that's for now, we're going to get over back to All Japan. It's amazing how much we had to talk about that had nothing to do really with being over (laughs) at All Japan. Yep. So we'll we'll get back to All Japan. Day two of Dynamite Series was on June 11th at Big Palette Fukushima in Koryama. I'll read off the card. We had Zenichi Shin Jedi, Rising Hayato, and Ryo Inoue. Kohei Sato and Musashi, they defeated Asuki Aoyagi, Dan Tamara, Oji Shiba, and Ren Ayabe in 7 minutes and 57 seconds. Then we had an All Japan TV six-man tag team title, and that was ATM, Black Men Sore, and Takawa Mori, our champions. They defeated Ayasawa number 1, Black Tiger, and Gorgeous Matsuno in 8 minutes and 39 seconds. Then we had the All Asia tag team title, Barbed wire double barricade Matt Megaton current blast death match. Okay. Atsushi Onita and Yoshitatsu, the champions, they defeated Hikorosato and Ryo Kawamura in 12 minutes and seven seconds. And then we had Hokuto Mori and Minoru Suzuki. They defeated Masao Hanabatake and Ryuki Honda in 10 minutes and 55 seconds. Satoshi Kojima and Suwama and Voodoo Murders. June Saito and Ray Saito, they went to a double count out, and this was in a minute and 28 seconds, so bear with me. They did it again. Satoshi Kojima and Suwama and Voodoo Murders, June Saito and Ray Saito, they went to another double count out in seven minutes and 59 seconds. Then in the Komi, we had Yuma Aoyagi. He defeated Manabu Soya, who was accompanied by Keno in 12 minutes and 11 seconds. And then our main event was Anichi Shin Jedi, Kento Miyahara, and Yuma Anzai. They defeated Yuji Nagata and Yutaka Yoshi in 19 minutes and 38 seconds. So first and foremost, you did a phenomenal job reading out that all Asia tag team title, like full title. Cause that was a long, that uh barbed wire double barricade. Yeah. Matt Megaton current blast. Yeah. Yeah. You did Thank a great you. job reading that. Um, but <laughs> let's talk about, let's just open it up and start talking about the match itself. Cause um, while you were reading that card, Lewis had some incredible facial expressions <laughs> while remembering oh some God. of these matches. So I, I need to talk about the card. Let's just start with the, that um, all Asia tag team title match. Okay. So this, is the day before this this show happened the day before my birthday um i didn't watch it 
thank Christ that that's the case because um, I don't know how happy I would have been. Uh, this was not this, this. To be honest, out of most of this card, this match is the most inoffensive, I think, to me, only because it was over before you could really get upset, I think, uh, is the main thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a rough-looking card. Um, it's uh, but th- this match specifically was, I think, pretty good for w- for what it is. Which is, I don't know why all Japan um has decided that this is their their thing to do now. Like, which is it it, it, it has been for a minute now. But um, I think of most of these types of matches at this point. Oh, can I say this? Um, I think this might be my favorite. Maybe, maybe because of the challenges and because I love who was in the challenging team so much. Um, but it was so quick and it was over so fast that you can you could barely get annoyed because it, it just kind of flashed by, like it, it just kind of happened. Um, it took me five minutes to realize why why everyone was wearing t-shirts before they did that first explosion table spot. And I went, oh, okay, that makes a bit more sense why everybody would be ever so slightly protected in that regard. But yeah, I don't know. I just it baffles me why we're doing this with the all Asia tag. I just I just think I look at every other possible option you could have and we're sticking with this. But yeah, I don't know. You know, when they did this, and this speaks to what Rachel I think said a couple of maybe episodes ago, I feel the weight of the loss of Nozawa in each progressive, you know, each one we we do now. Um, I feel the weight of the loss of Nozawa. That's the last one I really enjoyed, right? That might have been, is that the first one that we did like that? Yep. It was okay. The very well, first one. We peaked there and now we're, we're off the rails. We're off the books. Maybe people will get that reference. Um, so I don't like this anymore. I'm over it. This one was messy and not in a fun way. And I think they're just getting progressively messier. And a lot of it, I think, is um, Atsushi Onida. Like, I appreciate his contributions to wrestling. This man had surgery recently. Like, he had he got pulled off a card because he had to get surgery recently. I thought they were going to strip them of the titles. No, we're just going to keep going. They pulled. They had stripped people of titles for 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 far less <laughs> than what he had to do. So I'm just amazed that we're still doing this. And I don't know that he should keep doing this. I think it's not good. He just can't move very well anymore and it's really showing. And that's why it's just, it's getting progressively messier and not in a fun way. And I wanted to like this because I was excited about um, Sato being involved in this. I really wanted to like it for that reason, but I didn't enjoy this. And I'm the opposite of Lewis in this regard. Actually, I put in my notes that for such a short match, this felt really long to me. <laughs> so I I just didn't I wasn't having a good time I don't think we should keep doing this I think it's such a waste of the all Asia tag belts we have other people that could use these belts we have to get the Gaora TV title back as well because I I literally don't know what he could be doing with it and what we're waiting for and then what, like what are we doing with the all Asia belts here at this point like they don't need to be on Tatsu um or um Onida and they're not exactly like you know, we're not using it to build anyone here. Like, I love Sato, but it's not like this tag team between him and um, Kawamura is really going to do great things for All Japan right now, right? No. So, if we're just, we just need to completely like reevaluate what we're doing with these titles. Either like use them effectively or just don't have them. Cause essentially it's like not having them, right? Yeah. You guys summed it up for me. <laughs> I, <it's> just... <laughs> I'll just th- I'll throw this in really quickly. Um, the 
first challenges, which I think is happening this weekend, I believe, for the Infinity titles are Minoru Tanaka and Kaz Hayashi. So the fingers are crossed <laughs> that, that Tanaka gets this belt back into this company because in terms of like name value, you hear that and you go, that's an incredible person to hold that title, especially in comparison to people that have hold, held it not even that recently um, mm-hmm. in terms of quality. But nothing's happened. He's defended it once, I believe, and it was on a Glitch show and it was against Quiet Storm. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. And it's a, a real shame because it's somebody who like, is again in that in that echelon with, uh, with some of the guys that have been around for quite some time now who is still really good for his age um and can work really well and he's just not here he's just again it's again it's just another outsider holding a title that is doing nothing with it and we had said when he had won it i remember like like me at least i don't know who was else might have been on the show with it, but me rachel and jesse were saying at least at the time like if he's gonna hold it that's not a bad person to hold it like he has the connection to all japan like he is an incredible veteran of this industry. He could use this to get over some of our younger guys who need a belt, who need something to do, right? We don't ever see him. So like, what is the point? So yeah, I'm really struggling with um the way we are devaluing and just not using two sets of belts. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, yeah it doesn't make sense. <laughs> We've actually seen Toshizo more. Than Minoru yeah. Tanaka, when you think about it, and that's that's really and he weird. was gone for a while, yeah. And just come back, <laughs> yeah. He came back for Suwama to get murder bagged and kicked out of Voodoo Murders, yeah, yeah. And that was it, but we've still seen him more. So if he was still holding the Gauro, we would have seen the Gauro more, um, yep. which is really fascinating to think about. Um, yeah, let's let's just let's Can just we talk about ahead. Voodoo Murders though. Is that oh. where you're going? I was actually going to go into the uh, the six man match, but we can talk Voodoo Murders. No, I want to go into. Let's just Christ. let's just get yeah. yeah. See, like Lewis was let's also making faces the... about that. Let's just go right into Voodoo Murders. So, like, it, it doesn't matter like that we got Suama out of like Voodoo Murders. Apparently, like he just cannot like start a match anymore without going to the outside. And I don't know how we break him of that. Like we got him out of Voodoo Murders, we can't break him of the urge to start a match on the outside and to brawl outside. So I don't know. Maybe that's just part of him now. That's the thing that he can't exercise out of himself and having left Voodoo Murders and now being back to quasi-evolution Suwama. So that wasn't great to start off on that. But then when they actually like got into this match, I actually really liked the second match. I don't know if, if Lewis is going to disagree with me, but that'll be really funny if he does. But I <laughs> liked the second match. Um, I thought that like Kojima's commitment to this was really, really, really funny. He made me laugh like multiple times. Um, sometimes it's all I need to think a match is good, apparently. But Suwama, I thought was actually really good in this too. Um, he had like at least 30 seconds of real wrestling in this and that sold me on the match which I thought was great. He looked, he looked fantastic in that 30 seconds. Um, he hit a huge suplex in this and the crowd like popped like pretty hard for like that suplex. And then Wada immediately put an end to fun. So that wasn't great timing from Wada, but the twins did murder bag him. And then they killed Kojima for trying to interfere with that. And what a great moment for the twins. I know like some people aren't into the murder bagging. I think it's actually a really funny bit. And I thought them killing Kojima, who was trying to save Suwama, was awesome. I liked that part of it. Then the twins almost killed Suwama trying to get him out of the ring because they couldn't pick him up. And then they had to leave him there. And that was awesome. Very funny. That was a good match. (laughs) 
that's the best part of the body bag is watching them try to like get them out of the ring after they're after they're in the body bag um no I I yeah this this was what it was I didn't love it I didn't really hate it either um I thought that there was some really good heat from the crowd um during the the first match I say in air quotes um this sort of it got people riled up and it, it made them excited for the the next bit of this little saga we got to witness but um yeah I I need to hear your thoughts Lewis I don't know <laughs> it's so yeah I don't know it's um I'm very very ready for these for voodoo I mean god if that, that isn't the the quote that this podcast will have forever I'm very ready for voodoo murders to not be a thing anymore is the is what will be etched on the tombstone of this uh along with maybe a few other sayings on the on the on the tombstone <laughs> of this podcast at the end of time um I think it's so hard because you go from something like the the G infinity tag title to something like this and it's just like it, it just feels like it's two catalysts it's like uh if it's anything to do with voodoo murders it's gonna be at the best palatable I feel like is is the best way of saying it um if uh god I've, I've forgotten the name who is who's the manager Haru. <laughs> yeah if he's anywhere in the building forget it just forget it being anything that you kind of should commit your time to in, in my opinion personally i think it, it's strange because i think any time where he's not there is when the saitos they still obviously have the shtick that they work and that's that's completely fine but i think it's more for them to then go out and do their thing less so throwing powder whatever else like all that kind of stuff like i I think a lot of the time that's that when (laughs) strangely enough when there when there's no other voodoo murders anywhere to be seen that is when the saitos are their absolute best that they can be i think a lot of the time go into the uh the next match of uh that made lewis sort of his face sort of uh drop and that would be the six man um tag title match and uh, yeah i i really have no notes for this match it literally just says thank god the true aces of this promotion retained um so yeah jesus you're uh i need to know your thoughts there i this is my one note i just wrote yeah kind of hard to watch remember when we did a tournament for these belts and had good matches (laughs) i forgot about that tournament you're right it was and it was good it was really good like yeah yeah I don't know it's um but you're right it what it, it's I think I who was it someone some other podcast said it it's like they try to challenge themselves to find a worse team to verse the challenges in terms of collective ability in the ring uh, and I'm sorry that's so it is it's so rude but it is it's true like I just think again I just kind of brain empty no thoughts kind of viewing where I just um like just kind of who is it that has voodoo murder vision? Is it, um, was it Des that said that? Somebody said something about watching, oh, who was it? Maybe it wasn't this podcast. Somebody said something about watching voodoo murders and they just turned their brain off and just kind of let it happen. And that was me for this match, I think. I can't remember who it was. Been, that could have been anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a good, it's not a bad way of dealing with those yeah. situations. No. But yeah, I think that was this for me. I think, I think, I, I really am glad this is the first and probably only time I'll ever say this. I'm really glad the team who held the titles walked away with them um, because I can't think of anything worse than the opposing team holding those titles. Um, But yeah, I just, again, I think 
<laughs> really, for me, there is one match on this entire card. I don't know, the opening was okay, but like one match on this entire card, which is the shining light in the dark of this of of these matches on this card. And that was you can't just leave us hanging. <laughs> oh, sorry, it was Yuma Ayagi versus Manabu Sawyer. I think that oh. that was. I mean, again, I'm talking about what I said earlier. Uh, in, with comparison, that makes something look incredible. I mean, it's a five star match in comparison to everything else that really happened on this card. I'm going to agree with you. You know, I really liked this Yuma and Soya match in particular because I thought last year, we talked about this quite a bit coming off of, um, you know, Yuma had a great, uh, he, you know, he won the champion carnival and then he had a great match against Kento for the triple crown. He didn't win. And then I felt from there that Yuma had this weird holding pattern where he really wasn't doing much in singles matches that he wasn't doing much that mattered. I, didn't, I really didn't even like his Budokan match that much, honestly. Like, I just didn't think that Yuma had a lot of standout moments and matches that felt like really great to me. I think after the carnival, the most important singles match that he had, in my opinion, was against Naoya in Royal Road. So to have him here and to see the change in Yuma that is taking place, I think, really rapidly as we get through to the end of this month, Yuma felt like the guy. He felt and he felt like a guy completely separated from everything that's going on with Kento with like they were challenging for the tag belts. Obviously, he felt very separate from that. He just felt like the guy in all Japan and he felt like a very serious wrestler again in that regard he's still him he still has like his his quirks and his personality he's and that's what he's you know kind of great for but he just felt so fucking cool in this like i really i really did um love this and there was a lot of like really like cool stuff between him and soya here like soya um was in the front headlock from Yuma and then he gets Yuma up for the vertical spike that spot was fucking crazy but it looked so awesome between both of them um I thought it was just such a great effort from both of them and just a very convincing statement win that's I think the important part it's a very convincing statement win from Yuma but I also like cannot be unconvinced that Soya isn't one of the best wrestlers working right now like I keep seeing weird tweets from people that are like why is Soya allowed to win singles matches and it's like you don't watch wrestling like that's like the only thing I can come up with like from that it's like if you don't if you still think Soya is a shitty wrestler then I don't know what you're watching in comparison because he's doing incredible work right now but I loved this match for what it did for both of them frankly yeah I love this match um it, yeah I thought it was absolutely fantastic um Yuma looked amazing he had the crowd pulling for him like a hundred percent of the time which sort is popular so that that really is um of course all Japan fans will always love their guy but but Soya does get quite quite a big reaction he looked really strong um but I I definitely thought that like you said this was a statement win this was a statement match about Yuma and, and showing him off and I thought they did a really good job that their elbows looked really good I I just really enjoyed this it um, was really fun to see Yuma mocking Keno's pose it's kind of wild to think about how much these two have gotten this year when like they never interacted before February so it's it's kind of um fun to see Yuma doing that I thought uh, Keno getting his whole entrance like all to himself despite just being uh not even being on the card he was just a a ring second I thought that was pretty funny and and just sort of speaks to Keno but uh but yeah I thought it was it was just a really really good match 
I think I'll, I'll I mean, I've, God, I've, I'm going to gush about quite a few people, I think, for into, into the next two cards. But um, I'll do a bit about it, Sawyer, here, because he, the, the rest I have to say is probably is that last um, card that happened for this month. But um, I don't understand. Yeah, again, going to your point, um, Alicia, I don't understand where that kind of criticism comes from because he has never been, I don't even say bad, He's he's always been consistently good. I, I would like good is I, what I would use because at, at all points in time, whether it be old Japan, back when burning was a thing, and he was um, tagging with Amori, um, and there is some incredible tag matches that they had with um, Akiyama and Go mm-hmm. um, into Wrestle One. Um, he had a really, I mean, I think most people know this. He had an incredible match against Shotaro. In Wrestle One, he's never ever any time he's been given the ball, he has always stepped up, like at, at all points in time. And I think, again, he's one of those unsung heroes who has always kind of just been like background music. Unfortunately, um, that but but any time that you focus on him, he's there shining and doing the best that he possibly can. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with Yumayagi. He, the, I just, I watching this, I thought back to his first Triple Crown challenge against Kento and just. I don't want to say out of place, but like, God, it's not even, it doesn't even feel like the same person anymore in terms of just sheer confidence and ability um, in the ring as a single star. Um, I think he's just, he has far and away blown everyone's expectations. And I think they were already kind of high, but far and away blown everyone's expectations of what he could be. Because I think a lot of the time, I mean, especially around that time, everyone was looking at Nomura and, and thinking, yeah, that's the guy. Out of these two, a hundred percent. This is, you know, this has got it. This is the guy that will succeed, and this will be the 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 next ace of all Japan. And and Yuma, for his part, and you know, it's unfortunate for Nomura that things have happened to him the way that they have. But I think he not only has stepped up, but shown that maybe that that was uh, a a take that was a little bit too early in regards to what it was, because he has done an incredible job at being almost at this point, in my opinion, neck and neck with Kento in terms of just the, the sheer weight that he carries in all Japan. I'm with you. I think it's remarkable. And I feel like I'm really hoping that we're going to have this conversation at the beginning of next month in a really fun mm. way. I, But I do think that it is amazing to see how far he has come <laughs> from being in next stream where he was, he was the fourth guy. He was the fourth guy. I don't think that people could have predicted where he is now being positioned the way that they're going to position him. It it is, it is remarkable. And I do want to say too, you triggered something, Lewis, that I want to, that I want to point out in the way that people talk about Soya. A lot of the people with the most intense criticism of Soya, they're not even people who watch Noah, which is where he's been for the last several years. Right. Um, they're not really even people who have watched all Japan in a long time. I think he suffers from on a smaller level, what Jake Lee is suffering from right now, which is that you have this sort of hive mind effect of if you have some people on Twitter with larger profiles, you know, bigger follower accounts, whatever that declare one person, you know, being a shit wrestler, whatever, no matter what, you know, regardless of whether or not they actually watch their matches, then people sort of follow that right forever ad nauseum. And I think that's what we're still seeing with Soya, but it just makes that 
those comments from people about like why is soy allowed to win singles matches why is he doing this it makes them look really foolish now because i think that if you're watching him if you're watching him and Noah, if you're watching what he's been doing in all japan if you're watching the year he's having you're not you're not leaping to he's a shit wrestler because he um as you beautifully demonstrated like he has had a, a very solid and consistent career as a wrestler and then what rachel and i are always trying to get over on this podcast in particular is his incredible character work and how consistent he is um over time so those are my extended thoughts on the way people treat monopoly soya anyway i want to jump to um before we get off this day because i don't know how much we i don't know how many too many matches we have left to really go over here maybe maybe we should talk about the main but i just want to mention briefly the opener i think i actually had the most notes on this opener i think i like walked around um like really excited after i watched this one because i loved it so much um but just to uh remind everyone of what this was this was uh rising hayato and rio inue with kohei sato and then musashi who's over from uh, michinoku pro and again they defeated atsuki ayagi dan tamara oji shiba and ren ayabe this was an amazing under eight minute match i loved this if i were to make a list of matches that like were my favorite of this month this one would make it i thought it was like fucking stellar all japan um has like a consistent history of like giving you an opener that is like a mind melter and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily indicate like that the rest of the card is going to be like picture perfect but the opener will blow your mind I've talked about in this podcast before that with Otsuki in particular, he's in a position where we kind of need to have more people than just Glade guys come over and challenge him. We should have, I think, a little more diversity in that pool. Um, We don't right now. I don't know why Musashi can't challenge for that belt. Why wouldn't that be? That would be such a cool match. Um, And I think that Musashi is good. I think that Otsuki could honestly learn a lot from taking on someone like Musashi and spending time with uh, some of those those M Pro guys, like I I would really love that. So that was a huge takeaway for me. I thought that Atsuki and Hayato in this were like just a dream against each other. Like they always are, but there was something about them in this that just worked super well. If you were watching Sato's face in this, um, Kohei Sato, his face watching the juniors go against each other was like incredible. He had like his mouth was, was a gape watching them, which was like so fun and like cool that he was like amazed by them which was really cute um man like Inoue had a kitchen sink to Dan Tamara that was hard and it was clean it was beautiful I loved it I thought that was amazing there was like a really cool assist too that like like from Sato to Rio on um on Ayabe that I loved and then there was an incredible closing stretch with Inoue and Dan that I just thought was amazing like Anyway, was so riled up um, over over pinning Dan. And I thought that was so cool that like, he got to pin Dan. That was a big pin for him, actually, was to pin Dan. And I still think that Hayato and Anyway is like an interesting tag team. But like Hayato can work, again, like I said before, like well with everybody. So it's like not really a big statement. But I just love this. It's worked on so many levels and just demonstrated like the depth of talent that we have. But then adding Musashi and Sato um, into this too was just really fun. So it's just a good group. I want to jump in, Rachel, only because I want you to be the closing m- remarks on this match. Um, oh, no. But uh, I think, I mean, again, I think all Japan, especially with who, like the special features they've been bringing in, because was it this month as well? They No, it was last month, I think. Ray Paloma was on on the card. Was it this month or last month? Last month, I think. Last month, just yeah. at the end. Again, 
great pick. And like from my very limited understanding, because you know, I I know the other person who was about to speak after me is number one, uh, Michi Pro Respector. Um, Musashi <laughs> is the one of two with um, Fujita Hayato. Is that's that's correct, right? In terms of standout people in that company, I believe it's it, no. I yeah, argue, I could argue for Rui Hugaji. Um, yeah, I really, really am a fan of him. But okay. yeah, I, Musashi and Hayato are definitely like your old ace and your uh, younger ace, and then Rui is sort of like your dark ace in there. So you you have three, but I would say definitely Musashi and Hayato are your like. I'm gonna send them out to other companies and and showcase them, kind of. Guys. Yeah. Because that was the the match that the match that has like generated the most buzz I've seen in a very long time from Mitchy Pro, um, but yeah, again, I think and I made I, I we skipped over it on the last card because there was a, a fair bit to talk about anyway. But um, Dan beat uh, in a way on the opener of the sixth, and then in a way getting that win back here. And you're right, I was thinking that as I sat there, I went, that is a huge huge win for him um, mm-hmm. specifically because. Again, Dan is this tank of a junior heavyweight at this point, and I think, like, you know, he hasn't been quite given the opportunities that he should have. But I think he really is, in terms of that that group being uh, him, Atsuki, and Hayato, is like the massive force in terms of that. Like, he's the he's the grunt essentially of, of those three, and um, and in a way coming up and showing his development of pinning him in that final stretch, which was incredible as well. Like his, yeah, his, his growth, especially in this year, I think just from uh, the change from the purple trunks, even though I love them um, to the look that he has now and the influence from Kawada and everything like that has been incredible. And, and his ability in the ring has like doubled essentially in the last couple of months. Yeah, I thought um, in a way looked amazing in this match. And that's actually, I really, um, my notes for this match were uh, sort of talking about and asking you guys about in a way taking the pin from Dan. And I'm glad you guys brought that up because you've mentioned, especially you, Alicia, have mentioned um, on previous Talking Triple Crown, I believe last month that in a way is really searching for that big signature win and um and th- this didn't really feel like that but it, it felt like it's a closer. step forward. yeah step closer to that uh that big singles win so I'm really glad that you guys both brought that up um because that was sort of the big thing I wanted to talk about and also I really wanted to talk about Musashi I, I love him um I'm I'm a big fan um I think he can be a fantastic worker and I think he can he can play a phenomenal heel I've talked about this before but he he's an amazing Rudo and um, I think that he and Otsuki could have a phenomenal singles match together with Otsuki playing, you know, this, because he he does, he wants to be this like little hero, this big baby face and, and Musashi couldn't make magic out of that. Like he could go all out with that. And, um, and their exchanges in this were really good. Like you said it best, they're, they're magic together. And um, yeah, I, I really, I had written down, I selfishly wish it were him challenging instead of Ishida, but um, I still, I still feel that way. I wish it were uh, him challenging over, we'll, we'll get to him and Ishida, and I think we're going to have, have some it. opinions. We're all going to have some opinions about Kaito Ishida, but um, yeah, no, I, I want to see, um, I really want to see Musashi make a challenge, maybe after um, who we've got next. We'll see. 
So as we come to a close in this day, does anyone have any like important thoughts about the main before we move on? I do want to say just in terms of building to the more important match during this month at Ota Ward, I really did like the build between Nagata and Anzai. And you got to see that here. You can tell that Nagata was really making Anzai and building Anzai like a special project in a way that was, I think, important. You know, I think that he... I think Nagata as a veteran and a senior understands the importance of building someone like Anzai. And you saw that in the build leading up to this. And then you saw it in this um, tag. That's really like all my notes were around was just um, Nagata really leaning into building Anzai. They had some great forearm exchanges. There were some crazy suplexes toward the end. Um, so yeah, I thought that Kento and Yuma Anzai's energy and like the, it's, it's hard to get a read necessarily on them right now which is really interesting and probably purposeful so that part's really um compelling for me but in terms of the importance of this main i thought that it was all about nagata and anzai building to their big triple crown match and i felt like nagata has done a really good job or was doing a really good job of leading anzai there and giving him some big things to uh to build toward for the triple crown challenge i i agree i think that was exactly it um yeah Yuma looked, um, you know, Anzai looked really, really good. Um, Nagata was was helping him along. I thought there was some really good character moments there with um, Kento and Anzai sort of working together. Um, Kento working up the crowd because Anzai took too long to tag him in was just a very classic Kento, but it also um, really just showed how proud Anzai was. And I, I thought that was a good character moment. So you've got a lot going for Anzai. And, and I thought that this match really, really showcased that. I, I f- failed to mention this at the the first, again, going back to that first um, show, but the closing sequence for the 30-minute time limit draw was Anzai hitting both Kento and Yuma with the Jumbo Knee, which I think is a huge, huge purposeful statement to show just how behind this kid All Japan are at this point. I don't have much to say about this match specifically. I will say that as I was watching it, uh, Yutaka Yoshi is one of the funniest people. Uh, like, just, I don't know. He just reminds me of bubblegum. Like, it's just, I, I only ever see that when I'm, I'm watching him wrestle. It just reminds me of a piece of bubblegum. But I was thinking as I was sitting there, I was like, God, I, I forget this. But he was, that, he was in, I think it was 2017s or 2018s Champion Carnival, which you, you would never remember because it had Shingo and Chuji Hino and Marafuji. And like, it's just, I, I remembered that being like, oh yeah, he was, he was in that. And like, I don't know how much, how many other times he showed up since then. But um, yeah, I just think, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll talk more about it when it comes to the title match itself. But Anzai up until this point and going forward, I would imagine has been the greatest experiment that I think all Japan has had in, since Kento, really, in my opinion. Um, I think I think he's right on that level. Um, I'll talk more in depth about it later, but um, yeah, I think he has again just in the very short time he's been in ring, um, and and the amount that he knows, he showcases that to the umpteenth degree every single time he goes out there. With that being said, let's keep going so we can get down to those thoughts on Anzai. So day three of the tour was on June 15th in Korokin Hall. Black Menso Rei and Oshishiba defeated Masao Hanabatake and Ryuki Honda in four minutes and 37 seconds. 
Kotaro Suzuki and Yutani defeated Rising Hayato and Yoshitatsu 8 minutes and 13 seconds. L. Lindemann and Yu Izuka defeated Dan Tamara and Hikaru Sato 8 minutes and 27 seconds. And then we had Kaz Hayashi, Satoshi Kojima, and Taio Kea. They defeated Hokuto Omori, Minoru Suzuki, and Naruki Doi in 10 minutes and 16 seconds. Then we had Fuminori Abe, Takia Nomura, and Yuji Nagata, who defeated Suwama and Zenichi Shinjidai, Ryo Inoue, and Yuma Anzai, 9 minutes and 48 seconds. We had Kohei Sato, Ren Ayabe, and Shuji Ishikawa, who defeated Voodoo Murders, Jun Saito, Kono, and Rei Saito in 13 minutes and 8 seconds. Then we had a title challenge that was for the World Junior Heavyweight title. Atsuki Aoyagi defeated Kaito Ishida in 13 minutes and 10 seconds. Our main event was for the All Japan World Tag Team titles. That was Zanichi Shinjidai, Kento Miyahara, and Yuma Aoyagi. They defeated Kongo, Keno, and Manabu Soya in 21 minutes and 50 seconds. That being said, do we want to just start with the title matches? Let's maybe start with Atsuki and Ishida. All right, let's start there. We've warmed everyone up um, yeah. with some some juicy drama. So uh, yeah, Lewis, go ahead and start us off. <laughs> yeah, all right. So this is, you know, number one Kaito defender coming in to protect him from uh, all naysayers in terms of his skills. And No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> this was, in my opinion... Uh, I mean, Atsuki has been great for a very, very, very long time. And not only in, I mean, obviously this is the first defense of his second of this reign, sorry. Uh, but he has obviously had great defenses before. This is probably Ishida's best match, in my opinion, since leaving Dragon Gate. Um, and I've been watching it since that point, even in Glee. Um, I think I think his match with, uh, he had a match against El Lindemann, which was quite good. But there is something about, Atsuki, which I think it's probably because the pace that he wrestles is very close to what uh, Kaito is probably familiar with. This was incredible. Like this was, um, I, I definitely, as, as much as I'm leaning into the joke, I understand the uh, issues that people have with Black Generation tagging together. It can feel a bit whatever, like like things are just happening for the sake of happening. But when Ishida is in there with somebody who he cares about and they care about the matches specifically, I think he works really, really, really hard. And um, Atsuki, for his point, for his for his um, part, I mean, he always comes in and gives it. He's absolutely one hundred percent. But I think um, I think Ishida is such a bully in all of his matches, but specifically here where he beats the shit out of Atsuki for the majority of this match. Um, but yeah, I think there was a lot of stuff. Uh, Atsuki getting dropped onto the guardrail was disgusting. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. You could really pick anything to be honest. Um, and, and I think it was, it was really great. I think just the sheer brutality of, of Ashita's strikes versus the speed um, at which Atsuki can work uh, in hitting his own offense is um, they just complement each other so well. So I had written down on the um, the match in the 11th that I was like, eh, I don't want to see Ishida. I want to see Musashi instead. But <laughs> the, this match did. It, it was better than I expected. Unfortunately, I did have to watch it twice to like really get into it. Um, so it wasn't, you know, an amazing match. But um, I thought I thought it was all right. Um, Ishida looked good during the control spots. I really liked this um, kick that to Atsuki's head after the uh 
failed firebird splash. I thought that looked really cool, really brutal. Um, one thing I really liked was when Otsuki slipped after his um, second moonsault attempt, he slipped on the rope. It gave it some like real urgency and tension. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if this was intentional. It, it genuinely looked like it might have been like to build the tension there, but it's um, it's the kind of imperfections that Otsuki should sort of consider to give his movements more tension and fluidity and like make the match look more fluid. It's It's something that we've talked about at length that Otsuki sort of struggles with, but when he he sort of slipped on that rope and then scrambled to make that second moonsault and the whole audience was holding their breath, that was what I want to see out of Otsuki. Like that was just really good, like I guess almost pageantry, but it, it's storytelling. That's how matches come together. And um, yeah, I, I thought that was really, um, really good and um, led to the finish and that was great. I love that you brought that up that way because it's going kind to, of allow me to make a Marokan reference, which will be our second. And then it's not even going to be the end of the Marokan references for this episode. But to your <laughs> point, that's why I love the 2004 Marokan match so much is because they botched the Spanish fly and they have to do it again. And that was obviously a lot more, um, they, they didn't have it. And that's why they fell to the outside. Right. But that makes the match. It's the accident that makes the match because they have to get up and they have to do it again. And that I completely agree with you. That's such an amazing way to phrase that is that Oski has to lean into those moments or create them. Either he, le he leans into the organic ones that happens or he creates them to give him that tension that he needs because otherwise he's like a video game character in a way that doesn't work for me. I know we, we describe someone like Marafuji sometimes as moving like a video game character, but there's something about the way Marafuji wrestles where he never feels completely like... I don't want to say inhuman, but it's like it's there's he he is someone who has a high level of of just nailing things from spot to spot to spot in a way that doesn't make any sense that a human being can do. I think Otsuki has it as well, but there's something very robotic about the way Otsuki can approach it. And I think that's what I was trying to demonstrate on our last episode of of uh, Talking Triple Crown and talking about how Otsuki knows in his head he has to go from A to B to C to D. The problem is that he's doing it in a way that is not like you were saying, creating that tension. So I think that's beautifully said and, and illustrated. All of that being said, I did actually like this more than I thought I was going to. I've not really been an Ishida guy, but I maybe I'm I can, I'm uh, coming around to it, Lewis. So there is that. And I agree with Lewis. I think a lot of this was that Ishida knows the pace Atsuki wrestles that worked, I think, to both of their benefits in this. Um, so I was I was fine um, with this match um, overall. I didn't have a, a ton of, of notes about it. Um, I think what really struck me at the end is that like when Atsuki is addressing a crowd and he's got a mic and he's got his little belt and he's addressing the crowd, he really looks and feels like a champion. And I think that that is so great about him and we've heard Yuma in this month I forget when Yuma said it. it must have been more recent but Yuma said that his little brother is the first to a singles belt um Yuma has not won a singles belt so it was interesting to have that in my mind you know as we're talking about this match again it's just Atsuki like inexplicably just looks and feels like a champion and he's only really in the start of this like second reign and this is all kind of happening pretty much back to back for him so just a cool thing. And I'm glad that this one went really well. I will also say too, that we sort of alluded to this more or less, but El Lindemann challenged Atsuki 
<laughs> and that match is set for July 2nd. So another great challenger. But to L. Lindemann's credit, he's been around for a long time and he's a good little wrestler in his own right. So that should be should be quite interesting. But I think a lot of us are going to be trying to manifest a Musashi challenge uh, moving forward after that. Yeah. Talking Triple Crown said, what about Musashi? What about Michi Pro? And, and All Japan went, yeah, how about more Glee? How about more of that? <laughs> exactly. And we went, okay, I guess that's what we're doing then. But yeah, um, I mean, he's incredible. El Lindemann is a, an awesome challenger. Um, even as somebody who enjoys the weird world that Gleet is, I'm sick of it. I'm pretty sick of seeing challenges coming over and I'm kind of tired of seeing their involvement. Uh, not, not all, that's hard. I'm cherry picking who I want to see essentially on these cards. I think there are people that would benefit far more. And I've talked to, I think both of you at this point about who I think those people would be who don't get positions in their own company that I think would again, do exactly what all Japan does when they're on that big stage, which is take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people that are working a lot of different companies, including their own that don't need to be here that can do something else. Um, but yeah, I think um El Lindemann's a great challenger, but I do, I mean, uh, in a way, just, I, I don't know. I, I, it makes me think of, um, it makes me think of a Carter a little bit, Yusuke, um, back in the day. And I think in a way, uh, while they're very different, I think he's in terms of where he is now versus where Okada was when he first stepped up to challenge, which some would say maybe purposely he was just a little bit behind where he probably should have been to be in that point. I think that's. I think that would that should have been the move, in my opinion. I think that would have been really awesome for him, and a really really good opportunity. Um, but yeah, I guess that's not what we're doing. We're doing more Shimaism. <laughs> more Shimaism. Don't we love to yeah. hear that? Well, yeah. at any rate, we'll see what the El Lindemann match brings us and who we get after that. Hopefully, um, Asuki will retain. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, we need to hopefully re- keep more All Japan belts over here rather than give them away. So anyway, let's move into the um, the main event. We'll talk about the World Tag Team title challenge. And um, as we said before, that was Anichi Shinjidai, Kento, and Yuma defeating Kongo and bringing Keno and Soya's run with those World Tag belts to an end. So please, one, you know, one of you start, but please tell me how you felt about Rachel, this Rachel, absolutely go first. Okay. Um, thank you. My my only note was banger alert, and that was it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a good batch. No, um, yeah, I, I thought this was um fantastic. All eyes were on Kento and Keno. Um, this match, Keno had a really good time playing heel, um, getting the crowd to sort of just boo him as much as possible. Um, him gloating in front of uh, the Kento Oshi was just really good, like pulling him and and just picking the, uh, absolutely picking out exactly um, the fans that he really, really wanted to uh, bully. And that that's kind of his unique form of fan service. It's it's really rare for him to sort of do that kind of fan service, but but he um, he does, and he's, he's having a lot of fun with it. And um, you could tell Kento really was too. Like he, I said it before, but they were really eager to fight each other and um yeah it, and there was just a lot of like excitement and respect there that you could just sort of feel despite the fact that they were um really um really going at it and uh, there were there were some questions about who, who who had the most loyal fan base here um they did not 
sell out Kirk and Hall, which uh, sort of saddens them. But Kento has his moment where he gets to sell out Kirk and Hall. So I don't feel too bad for them. Um, but but yeah, it, it was good. There were um, there was some really good teamwork. The uh, power slam foot stomp combo that Kento and Soya does has gotten so smooth. It's been really, really fun to watch this sort of evolve over the months. Um, and then I also found out, found a lot of Yuma and Kento's teamwork really, really fun and compelling. Um, a lot of it came at the order of Yuma, um, which sort of felt really fun, really fitting, and went back to what Alicia has always been saying about um, where this team is at, but also like who Yuma is and, and who he is as a leader. And I thought that was just really, really good character-wise. Um, yeah, it, it was good. Um, there's just one part of the match where the crowd is cheering for Soya over Kento. Um, and I started weeping. I thought that was just incredible. Soya is incredible. And that entire finishing stretch was amazing. Soya headbutting Kento's knee was so good. It was brilliant. And yeah, I just thought he looked like a total monster. And Kento is so good. We're going to talk about this um, later in the month too, but he's so good at selling this match and selling these stretches and looking utterly destroyed. And I really thought for a moment that he was going to go sort of with the Cyrus route with he wins just on a roll up, but, uh, but no, that he got that shutdown suplex and that looked really, really cool. And so I looked really pained and it was just good. It was just great. <laughs> um, I thought it was, I thought it was an amazing match. Um, yeah, go ahead and um, take it away. And then we'll talk about the uh, challenge that came after. Do you want to go next, Alicia? Yeah. So uh, off the top of this, I thought it was just stunning. Uh, it didn't really matter that they didn't sell out Quark and it felt like a sellout, like, which is the mm -hmm. amount of noise in the building. Like, like <laughs> I was um, blown away by um, how over the four of them are, but also um, the chance for Yuma at the start were just yeah. like, so gratifying, like just, just so great. Um, I also no noted uh, Keno playing to the row of dedicated Pento fans there. And I loved it. I thought it was great. They took all their photos. I loved seeing all of their photos on Twitter afterwards. It was awesome. Um, my goodness. But uh, there was also this one spot that I adored. And actually, the better camera angle of it exists on Twitter. Not actually in the file. You can watch on AGPW.TV. But it's the spot where, like, Soya chops Kento into the turnbuckle. And he, like, on the last chop, just, like, collapses into the turnbuckle. It is such a cool spot. Soya looks like the most dangerous man during this this segment. And Kento sells, like, perfectly for him. Because if, if anything, Kento is, like, brilliant at those cells of, like, taking a sucker punch to the face. Or, like, that chop that just, like, makes his body look like you know like jello he's so good um at things like that and he he loves the art of that and like the drama of that and you can tell in the way that he does it and i thought that looked amazing but the better view of it is on twitter it's not actually in the uh the file itself regardless it was awesome um and like there was i'm not good at naming moves anyone that's listened to this podcast unfortunately knows how shit i am at this it's the it's what happens when you watch like a tiny amount of american like english language wrestling and then move over to um japanese wrestling and then like never actually learn how a move is called but they had some crazy like those back-to-back -back suplex at the end from yuma and keno that looked really fucking cool just like all this stuff like hit so well and it was a great match i mean it it was interesting because like we've i was I've talked about this before. It was hard to watch Nomu Yagi lose these belts. And I 
still think it's probably the most likely thing that we saw them lose the belts because now you should not have been wrestling on that knee. He should have had surgery earlier than when he did get the surgery. I think that's why they lost the belt and then why we ended up having this run. Um, I think Keno and Soya were actually like the one bit of outside interference, if you will, in all Japan that was like incredible. And it didn't necessarily feel like interference because Soya Soya is of all Japan too. Like this is a place like where he wrestled and where he was, right? So it doesn't feel like the same kind of like exhaustion from Glate, right? And, and Keno is Keno. So they were, but they were tremendous. And like this stuff has been um, the more fun aspects of having that company back and forth. I think for me, where a lot of this is, it's not just the diamond ring stuff, but I really do like the Noah and all Japan um, kind of working relationship. And it's been working for me really well because we aren't seeing a ton of it speaking right to what Lewis was saying before. We're seeing these little pops of like Soya and Keno coming over. We'll talk about the bigger one that's happening um, later on in the month, things like that. So that's why I think part of this worked for me so well. And I think they did a tremendous job and we got to see like Soya have these beautiful moments through um, this tag from like when they won the belts um, all the way through um, losing them, losing them here. And um, yeah, what a run. This is going to be such a, uh, I think it's going to be one of the better stories of 2023 is this Congo run with the world tag belts in all Japan. I'm going to do this. So hopefully it doesn't blow out the audio, but bit of this, like (laughs) I, the, the most shoutiest, man that cares the most about professional wrestling like this guy i i and i I genuinely cannot think of another comparison um at all through history in my mind right now i've never seen somebody like no i don't want to say carry but do so much for mainly three but i guess four in in case in the case of new japan a bit as well but mainly three i mean being noah dragon gate and all japan what a what an incredible run! Like I know I know f- for a fact that he the last when when he dropped the titles with Kondo, um, that was a back to back show for him. I think he wrestled no other night before before going and wrestling in that match against um, M3K. Um, and um, he, it, yeah, I, I'm astounded at just how much he's done. And I mean, you know, you talk about the the mat, you know, Corican not being sold out. These guys had this, like, they had five days. And look at how much they did in five days to build this match alone. Like, it's insane. Um, I don't, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just think, I think, I mean, as Sawyer as well, uh, this is probably where I should be gushing the most about him. But I, I just think both of them, um, and but mainly, I guess mainly Keno at this point, this year has been, I don't know how how you have any argument at this point. I mean, unless somebody really does something in the second half of this year, this is the guy, I think, honestly, for the entirety of the year across all companies. He has done so much for so many people um, in terms of elevation, not only their company, but individual people. Um, and I, I just think he gets his roses, but I, I don't I don't ever think it will ever be enough because he cares so much, even though, you know, Everyone, you know, you bastard, yada, 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 like yelling at people all the time. But it's it's so evident that he cares, like so, not only just about Noah, but like all Japan, Dragon Gate, I guess to a degree, New Japan as well. Like he really invests his time and energy in everything that he does. And he has been for the, for a very long time at this point. I actually want to say, this is something that me and Rachel loved about Keno and is probably better to say it back when we were talking about all together again, but 
he could barely get through his backstage at all together again because he was emotional like really emotional and needed to like cut himself short to dash off because he was getting too emotional to keep it together and he was coming out of character and he was going to start like crying that's how much he loves wrestling he was overwhelmed by participating in the main event and just being around all of that wrestling and that's Keno and it's just it's so frustrating to your point Lewis of he you know he doesn't he doesn't get his roses it's 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 interesting because a lot of people enjoy Keno and Rachel does such a beautiful job on their Twitter and through all their translation work and everything else that they do through their art go on the kickout blog and please look at their art they do so much to illustrate to people how much he loves wrestling how much of a, a pure fan of wrestling he is and that's why he's able to do this that's why he's able to um reach out to all these different companies in this way and that's why he's able to have these type of performances and he's always thinking about the industry it's not just thinking about noah and he's gonna he's talking more about that now too but it's not just about noah it's about the industry and it's it's he's not just a shouty screaming man either like he he does so much for for people as a character, but also as a human being who is a representative of this wrestling in the world. And so I can't say enough about making sure you follow Rachel um, on their personal Twitter account and also going over the kickout blog and reading some of their um, translation work that they post, but also um, their art that they just posted in tribute to Keno's 15th anniversary. I don't, I want to let you speak in just a second, Rachel, but I do just want to say this. I think the other thing for me is I think that I think I might, Jesus Christ, I might cry. Um, I think, for me, specifically with some people, and I think for you, Alicia, it's Jake for me now. I think people that I know now, um, and obviously this is the first time meeting you guys, but um, when I see that passion for specific people um, and and how much people care about them and how much those people care about what they do, it, it makes me invested in a way that I think maybe I, I wasn't previously. Um, I think... Yeah, I, Keno this year specifically, and, and Jake, no, actually that's not true. Jake as well. Jake, both of them have been doing their obviously their own thing, but within the same company. But I think the yeah, I I just think the energy and emotion attached to the work that they have both done for themselves, um, and and for the companies that they represent, and others in in the case of Keno, um, means so much to so many people, and I I just think. It's it's hard because I guess it's not like breaching the gap of of English through translation to Japanese for those guys probably will never reach its full the full message that it would be. But I, I wonder if they know just how much people appreciate what they've done um, in in the work that they do. Um, but yeah, Jesus, I might I might have to stop. I'll let Rachel talk. <laughs> <laughs> I really have nothing to say. Um, you guys just said it so well and and I'm very weepy as well Alicia one time we were we were just talking about Keno um as one does and um she described him as a as a pioneer in um in Puro and and who he's he's sort of becoming as is a revolutionary in a lot of ways but yeah he he puts just so much work and so much effort and and to just bring it back to this match it's they had five days <laughs> Um, to build this and and to sell Kirk and Hall and and they did actually get fairly close like they sold a lot of tickets and um, one thing I wanted to point out is during the build to this they did legitimately buy each other's shirts. Uh, Keno bought 
Kento's brand new shirt. And then, um, of course, I mean, they might have like given them the shirt, but the, but the kayfabe of it is that they they bought each other shirts and, and they had them on display. Kento in his YouTube videos was was proudly displaying um, Kento's shirt. He actually, he put it over Nakajima's name because he had some like information on Nakajima. And, and of course they're out of, Con he's out of Congo. So it was it was just a really funny way to, to block that out. And then um, Kento of course was wearing the, uh, the Congo shirt, but th these guys just care so much and it shows in these matches and it shows in these collaborations and um and yeah so much of that is coming from Keno and I I just really am amazed at um the way that he's sort of connecting um to these companies and and connecting to a lot of these wrestlers like he and Suwama are very clearly close he and Kento have you know a good good friendship going like you can tell that Keno's really making this network and um and incredible matches are coming out of it and it's I, I just I'm flabbergasted. I'm amazed I'm, I'm amazed at what's been going on in 2023 so I definitely encourage you to uh to keep an eye on him and and I guess to plug myself um on my Twitter at Milky Star M-I-I-K-Y Star um you can find a lot of what he is doing um on YouTube and um, just around the world of wrestling because not only <laughs> did he do that match and, and that dragon gate match took place not only the day after a noah show it took a, the day after a 45 minute draw with katsuhiko nakajima and he had some neck issues after that match but he still went in and, and did that um and i was wrestling with a match. neck hernia yeah he had a neck hernia Jesus. he did back-to-back -back radio shows <laughs> and and all the way up he did tv appearances radio shows and talk shows every single day sometimes twice a day in between his wrestling work up until his anniversary show so like it, you just you got to be keeping an eye on this guy like you really do if you have any interest in Japanese wrestling I'm not being like too arrogant or over the top or dramatic to say this like you you really do need to be looking at Keno right now because what he is doing um will set some standards in this industry yeah and I think uh, I'm not sure if he's done with all Japan now, I'm, I'm not certain. Dragon Gate, I'm pretty sure he's, I think he's wrapped up all that now. And I mean, especially oh, with, more. oh, one more. Oh, sorry, you're right, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, My apologies. World, right, World. yeah. But with, I think with Congo disbanding, um, I think that probably is enough of a reason to be like, well, I don't have somebody going in with me at this point, which makes sense. But God, I know he won't. And he'll still, he'll, I mean, it might not be at the pace that he is now, but he'll still continue to just push himself. But he deserves arrest I think is what I'm probably looking to say like he 100% has earned that at this point I think this first even into last year for, for a while as well the end of last year but especially these six months just unmatched in terms of the sheer amount of effort and energy he's put in to Noah to all Japan to Dragon Gate I just think yeah it's incredible I, nobody uh, and I genuinely can't think of anybody who has, has done as much as he has done for for the companies that he has um, in the last six months alone. Absolutely. I love it. I'm glad that we got to have our, our Keno love fest now, Lewis, you were the exact right person to have for this episode, but Honestly, thank you. Let's, no, of um, course. let's yeah. jump back into this card for a moment. Cause we haven't even gotten to Ota Ward. Um, so what I want to point out next, if you guys will, will follow me down here. I wanted to touch on Fuminori Abe, Takinomura, and Nagata. 
going up against Suwama and Zenichi Shinjadai in Ryo Inue and Yuma Anzai. I just wanted to talk about that really briefly. I love Abe and Takuya back in um, All Japan. I wish that they were here like all the time. To me, I want more BJW guys coming over to All Japan. Like if, you know, for cherry picking, if you will, who we want to come over. There's a lot more BJW guys I'm interested in coming over and working with us than um sorry late partnerships um <laughs> i'm not as interested in shimaism as i am bjw so regardless i'm really happy to see them back astronauts obviously are just killer and they were obviously with nagata i thought it was interesting to see suwama working with anyway and anzai of course and i thought rio did um such a good job going up against abe and i'm glad that we get to see them again towards the end of the month too but like anyway um we talk about this like every month but like he just had another great tour every time we see him it's like he becomes um like he just moves up a level in terms of the type of wrestler he is I really really liked this so much and then Anzai here was just like so good like clean jumping knee towards the end of this match too it's like short but I just love seeing Abe and uh Takia back in um all Japan I really miss uh Takia Nomura actually like I wish he was around um so much more we got really lucky with him being around as much as he was um back in 2022 He's so popular in all Japan. Like it's like uh, the Shinkiba show. I think I noticed it the most. He's so popular. He mm-hmm. like just calls after call during that, that match. It's insane. But yeah. Um, I mean this, this, I got lucky with this month because literally you have three, probably my top three favorite tag teams in all of Japan that are, that are on these, these two, this card and the following card. Um, yeah. Astronauts are, it's stupid how good they are. Um, and I, I agree. I really wish Big Japan's involvement would be more uh, with All Japan. I think they are incredible running. They could be an incredible running partner. And you have had a benefit of no shame attacks on top of that. So you're not constantly worried that if somebody gets beaten, that there's a, hey, tag me back for that brother kind of situation. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. I love Nomura. I love him so much. It was just great to see him back, um, seeing um, him and Abe taking it to Rue in a way. Like, I think you just said it best. It, it was cool. Yeah, I, I thought um, the big mat- the big focus of the match was still Anzai and Nagata. And Anzai just had a lot of fire. But I definitely was most excited about seeing astronauts here and, and um, especially them and Rue in a way. From here, I'm going to draw our attention to Kaz Hayashi, Satoshi Kojima, and a returning legend in Tayo Kea. They defeated, again, Hokuto Amori, Minoru Suzuki, and Naruki Doi. I'm not going to lie. I said this to Rachel. Granted, I, I operate at a certain level of tired all the time these days. I, I forgot that he was going to be on this tour. And then I kept seeing, like, the like little like pictures and stuff on my Twitter timeline. I was working. And I kept saying... Why is Kazuyuki Fujita on this card? And like racking my brain for like, why did, how did I miss Kazuyuki Fujita joining? Like, that's really weird. He never, like, he hasn't been here in a while. No, it was Taiokea. He just looks very different to me now. But we got to see Taiokea back. So that's really interesting. He, it's, he has, there's like a nostalgia value, obviously, to seeing someone like Taiokea back in all japan he definitely wrestles like someone who hasn't been around in a while 
right? So I think that this is really more about nostalgia value. And we'll see that again going into, I think, the next card as well that Taioke uh, joined us for. So there was at least that. I really liked seeing Kaz Hayashi um, in this as well. I feel like Kaz's um, appearances this month were better than some of the ones we had from him um, a couple months back. So there is that. So yeah, I thought that like whatever that handshake dap was at the end between Taiokea and uh, Zuki was worth whatever uh, Taiokea's booking fee was here. It was so awkward, I think that's what it was. Sure. It was incredibly awkward, but whatever it was, um, that was worth his booking fee. So I'm glad we got to yeah. see that. Do you guys have any thoughts on uh, on him being back here and what have you? So actually, my first note on this match is that um, commentary kept talking about all together again and um its effect on hokuto mori and how um stronger he has gotten after facing down the uh the bachi bachi the stiff style of katsu nakajima so that was that was interesting that they're um sort of continuing that i believe this was like the first one with like real commentary on an amori match so um i i wanted to point that out uh first and foremost but of course the uh the focus of this match was the the middle years reunion um of everybody and i thought um kojima and taoke were really uh cute during their entrance and uh yeah it was um it was fun it was definitely very rough um you could just sort of tell i don't believe he had any in, intentions to come back to wrestling um after talking to dr jonathan foy he had mentioned that but yeah like you could tell but that like you said, Alicia, that didn't feel very important. He took some great bumps. The heart was all there. Like it, the audience was there with him and and that was it. And then of course, like the ending with him and Suzuki was just really fun. Um, it made me really, really look forward to their match two days later. No complaints from me. Yeah. Look, I mean, both of you have said it. Um, yeah. It shows that you haven't wrestled in however many years it was. I think four, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then he'll hit things like the insane weird DDT that he did. And it looked great. Like it looked yeah. awesome, which was really strange. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it was just kind of like, okay, it's very clear that it's been a while since you've been in a ring. Um, I'm not sure if there was anything done previously to this tour in terms of training of any kind of kind of whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. Obviously it's a part of a very, very important part of all Japan's history um, or he is sorry. Um, so it's it's great to see him back. I did the thing that I actually was focusing on more than anything else was Kaz and Kojima and their tag moves together and their kind of teamwork. And I know obviously both of them are outsiders at this point. That should be an all Asia tag challenge. Like when we don't have <laughs> okay, no, it shouldn't. I don't know why I said that. Yeah, okay, I agree. I agree. I am burnt out on that bread man. We got to be done with him. Yeah, actually, I forgot who I'm talking to. Yep, I forgot. We had this conversation before we recorded. I love Kojima, and she she's mad at me for it, but you know. I think I got um. I think I got the nostalgia because I, I not so long ago saw, I think one of their defenses when they held the titles way back. Um, and I was like, wow, it's a good team. This was a really good team. But yeah, Kaz just, I mean, he's one of those people. It's similar to ish. I mean, he's feeling it a bit more, but similar to Kataro in that you're doing handsprings at the age that you are. And like, it looks, it doesn't look terrifying. It, you worry because you know how old he is, but he just, yeah, again, age is just, just an ageless kind of guy in the ring. Yeah, and still an incredible, like, he, there is so much history, obviously, in this match, right? Like, there are a lot of people with incredible ties to 
uh, this company. Kaz is one of them. Like, if you have mm. not picked up The Muto Years by Dr. Jonathan Foy, you should. He talks a lot about Kaz Hayashi and how important he was to the booking of the Muto Years of All Japan, but also really re- like creating a junior division. So mm. Kaz is important. He's important to this company and he can still go. So yeah, he's yep. cool to have around for sure. Do we have anything else that we would like to touch on before we get into Ota Ward? I have one little tidbit and that's it, which was, was it on this show? Yeah, it was this. Part of my language, but why the fuck do we never, ever, ever hear the chorus of Dream Warriors with Voodoo, with the Saitos? It actually drives me insane. It pisses me <laughs> off to no end. I love that song. It's one of my favorite things about the about the twins. And never, every single time, they they are done by the time they hit the main chorus. And I'm just like, I, you deprive me every single time. That is probably the only commentary I would like to hear about this match. It was mostly 13 <laughs> minutes of voodoo murders mousing around. So yeah. I'll take theme music. Um, I'll take theme music discourse every day over having to discuss <laughs> Voodoo murders mousing around in this match. match if that, you will. that and the infinity belts look like Toys R Us belts on them. It's, it's stupid. <laughs> they it's do. Really they it's look really little, like little plastic Toys R Us belts. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I had no notes on that match, but uh, you are right about the uh, the theme music there. It's, there's still some pageantry they need to work on there to, to extend things out. Okay, so we're going to move into day four. That was on June 17th in Ota City General Gymnasium. A few notes off the top. Masanobu Fuchi, another legend, was on commentary for this card. And the legend, Stan Hansen, was a special guest who played a larger role in some of the pageantry around the main event. A few weeks prior, Nagata requested that the original three belts that make up the Triple Crown be brought to Ota Ward, adding to the atmosphere of the event and his title match with Yuma Anzai, which would be our main event for this card. So I'm going to run through them. We have Dan Tamara and Hikaru Sato. They defeated Kazumasa Yoshida and Takunomura in 7 minutes and 49 seconds. We have Maya Yukihi and Mayumi Ozaki. They defeated Chichi and Sunny, 12 minutes and 13 seconds. Then you had Atsushi Onida, Carbel Ito, and Toru Awashi, who they defeated Black Mensorei, Black Tiger, and Great Tiger in 7 minutes and 23 seconds. Then you had Osamu Nishimura, Satoshi Kojima, and Yutaka Yoshi. They defeated Hokuto Omori, Ryo Inoue, and Ryuki Honda in 10 minutes and 34 seconds. Then you had Mazuda, Minoru Suzuki, and Taiokeya. They defeated Voodoo Murders, Jun Saito, Rei Saito, and Toshizo in 9 minutes and 42 seconds. This was a Tokyo Gurantai reunion. So another big Muto era <laughs> reunion um, in terms of factions for us. There you go. Then we had Strong BJ, Daisuke Sakimoto, and Yuji Okabayashi. They defeated Violent Giants, Shuji Ishikawa, and Suwama in 21 minutes and 52 seconds. And just a note here, Yuji Okabayashi is stepping away from wrestling indefinitely. So this was a very special match and a way for him to say goodbye to All Japan for now. Then we had our co-main event, which is for the World Tag Team Titles. We actually didn't discuss this in our last segment, so we're going to discuss it now. After Yuma and Kendo won the World Tag Team Belts, they were challenged by Atsuki Aoyagi and Rising Hayato. So you had a second-generation Next Stream 
title challenge, which was really, really exciting. So this match is Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi. They defeated Atsuki Aoyagi and Rising Hayato in 24 minutes and 59 seconds. And then for the main event, we have the Triple Crown match. That was Yuji Nagata. He defeated Yuma Anzai in 21 minutes and 6 seconds. So this card... <laughs> oh my god. Um, I... <laughs> There's a there's a lot to talk about here. Um, of course, the one the what I want to talk about is probably um, one of the best like tag team double features I have ever seen, and that is um, the Strong BJ versus Violent Giants match going into that that World Tag Team Title match. So, um, do we want to just open with um, Daisuke Sakimoto and Yuji Okabayashi versus uh, Ishikawa and Suwama? I have a lot to say. So, if somebody wants to go before me. I was going back and forth about whether this was going to be my favorite match or the main event, or rather, no, the co-main event. And I, I, I don't really know. I guess I think I landed on the the co-main, probably just edging it out slightly because there's a lot more like emotional. And Lewis was right; Lewis predicted this for me. But like, there was a lot more like emotional um, components of that match that like spoke to me more. But this this match I don't even have that many notes on it because I don't really know how to distill the way like the, a kind of match like this makes me feel onto a piece of paper to demonstrate to you how this match made me feel um this match was violence for the sake of violence and it was perfect for it absolutely perfect for it a, a truly special match and there's almost like too many great spots in it for me to have listed out and named but like everything that these guys did to each other was just like fucking horrific it was it, but but like in the best way possible it was really was violence for the sake of violence um i i loved so so much of this um i think it was ishikawa going up against um Daisuke Sekimoto that to me was like they were like the scene stealers which is like not surprising to me um I feel like it's always Shuji and somebody else that become the scene stealers in virtually any tag ever um and that's what it was here for me absolutely it's really sad to sit with like the weight of someone like Okabayashi realizing that like for the sake of his own body he has to step away from wrestling but to have this be one of the matches you go out with before you do that like indefinitely stepping away sort of thing he's not calling it a retirement and I feel like a lot of people are pushing back on the idea that it is a retirement and that's that's fine maybe it leaves the door open for him healing and coming back when he feels he is ready but for this to be one of the matches that people have in their minds of you before you step away I mean that's amazing this match is just phenomenal I think we've been kind of missing these types of matches in all Japan for a minute too like 2023 has been a weird year for all Japan. Like we started out at a high and I think we thought we were getting a different type of year and having no Moyagi take the, bo- the belts off of Takuya and Kento. And then we didn't get that. And we got a very different run with Congo, but we've also been lacking, I think some of the really exciting, like classic house show six mans that we all really love from this company too. Like we just haven't really been getting that this year, but to have this match here at Ota Ward, phenomenal violence for the sake of violence cannot say enough if you haven't watched this match you need to watch it i think in a lot of ways it sort of reminded me of um which champions night was it i think it was the april one champion night three 
where it was just a whole lot of like you had that um last man standing match with um Ashno and Honda and there's just there was just mm-hmm. a lot of really good like exciting matches and violence and that's what this felt like to me was it just sort of captured me um and it was it was just amazing it was a really fun classic match um the powerbomb from Okabayashi onto Shuji was insane um, it was insane and then like some of those lariats like they it sounded like wood hitting each other and it, it was just like you said violence for the sake of violence it was such a good match and um yeah Okabayashi is just an amazing talent it's really really sad that he has to step away um the way he is and I just um yeah he's he's always been I, I don't really follow big Japan but um you know, his work in DDT, I've seen, I've followed, I've really, really loved. Um, he's had nothing but classics. Every time he steps in the ring there, his um, tag team with Hiroshima was really, really fun. And then um, you see him over here. And I, of course, I was delighted to see him. And, and Sakimoto is always just an amazing talent as well. So yeah, it's, it was just um, watching this match was really, really fun. And then um, Okabayashi needing to step away was a lot to sit with, but I think you said it really well alicia and that really sort of helps me out um with with this is that um that yeah you you're leaving um people with with this in in all japan you're leaving all japan fans with with this sort of not so gentle kiss goodbye which uh in the form of some really intense uh hilarious so yeah um lewis what were your thoughts I wonder if I can get through this. Um, I was getting emotional just talking, thinking about it. Lots of uh, going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, it's a very um, sensitive episode <laughs> for all three <laughs> of us. Um, I started watching All Japan around the same time as I started watching Big Japan, um, which was probably, I think it was like the tail end of 2017, the start of 2018, maybe, maybe a little bit later. And this specific tag team like these two tag teams versing each other uh one of the reasons that i thought uh and still do um in in many ways think all japan are probably the best wrestling product that there is um in in japan at, at certain times um I, I yeah i don't i i don't i don't really even know how to begin start like structuring this there are there are things in this match like there's a callback i think a callback to the match in which um violent giants get the tag titles back off strong vj which is um ishikawa and suwama in the ring together and uh one of the other members i think it was daisuke was on the outside and okabayashi was in the ring um and suwama yells at ishikawa to say i've i've got i've got daisuke on the outside you can finish this i I believe you can finish this and this that happens in i think 2018 um, and I think just because of the time away that we've seen from the Sawama that we, he's not fully there yet, but pretty much there, um, that we've seen, I think I got really like started getting quite emotional and like, you can still kind of see the red in Sawama's hair still at this point, it's barely there, but it is kind of, it feels like that kind of like notion of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better, but I'm not quite there just yet. I'm not at a hundred percent, but, um, yeah, I just think. I don't know. It just made me so sad because uh, um, I, I read this, I think, somewhere, but Okabayashi during um, COVID was taking bookings to try and help 
big Japan. Um, so he was working in a lot of different companies to try and help them financially. Um, and uh, a certain, I don't want to say he held the company aloft, but he contributed massively to keeping them afloat during that time because they did come extremely close to closing and they still are not in the best of positions now to this day. But I think, I just think that the history between these four guys and especially um, Ishikawa with Daisuke and Okobayashi, who they have massive history with through that of big Japan. Um, I think it, I think it shows in just the sheer brutality that all men, all, all four men have for each other in terms of, let's just do this like for the moment, one big hurrah of just beating the shit out of each other to show how much we care for one another. Um, the embrace afterwards between Ishikawa, um, Daisuke and Okambayashi was really special. Um, I think, you know, Suwama was obviously there, but he doesn't quite have the history that the other three men have um, who have been long tenured members of the big, of big Japan. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how else. It just feels like, it feels like 2018 again to me with this match. It's like, it's like nothing ever changed. You know, we're four, no, we're longer than that. We're, um, we're five years almost at this point um, on from, from those matches. And it's, uh, you could have just put it in and, and, and it slotted right in within that same year. And like all men, all, I think he, he has turned 40 at this point, hasn't he? Okabayashi. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So all of these men are within them, this, the, the early to mid forties, if not a little bit later. Um, and they're just throwing themselves at each other as hard as they possibly can during this match. And like, yeah, it's brutal, but there's something like kind of beautiful about, I, you know, I care about you so much that I want to give you my all in this last outing for the foreseeable future. I don't know. This is just textbook, pretty much the kind of match that I love. So it just meant a lot to see him come through and have this match with this these this tag team specifically for me. That's so beautifully said. I really appreciate you taking the time to to bring that here and share with us, especially because I I think what you touch on towards the end is, you know, these guys they're they're getting they're getting older and obviously Okabayashi is taking a break because he needs to, but this is also a, a match of, I think about 2018 and what wrestling was like then, frankly, what things were like for, for God, Noah, all Japan. Um, this is a, a match with four people who are not given the credit they deserve for leading their companies the way that they have. And um, I speak, especially from, you know, the, the standpoint of Suwama um, for how long his career has been and for how long he has had to see all Japan through some of like the darkest years of that promotion and through some of their own like near closures. Like he does not get the no- enough respect for the type of career he's had and for what he can do now. That's the other thing that really annoys me about what people say when you could tell that they don't actually watch all Japan are people who talk about Suwama as if he doesn't wrestle or doesn't know like that like it's just like a kind of uh you know like just this old guy taking up space on a card like Suwama can still go at like a moment's notice and um that's what a lot of this match is is these four people who I think in in like the wider sort of discourse of wrestling often do not get acknowledged for what they have brought to their respective companies because it's not the the broader discussions around what's happening in New Japan right? Things like that. But in that way, it is such a beautiful tribute to them and to, I think, a really special era, like you were talking about, that sort of, um, that time period when these guys were, like, still, like, you know, 
the big runs right that they had with each other I think it's I think it's really beautiful and framed that way with that phenomenal match out of the way we um go on to our co-main which is the all japan world tag team title and this was also my favorite match i know alicia you said that um it did win you over uh between the two matches i was also sort of debating i guess lewis and i were both sort of debating which one you would like the most but uh you did end up liking that this one best and um and yeah i went ahead and translated the uh the vtr i was amazed that there was a vtr um for this because if we're going to talk about tag team matches that had no time to prep. We had two days <laughs> for this match. Um, and it was it was a really nice, um, lovely little video. So it starts off with um, a little like blip that says, heavy, junior, size doesn't matter. And Hayato's on screen and states, everyone knows that in AJPW, heavyweights are the main, big guys are the main. I can't have that just because I was born small. But if you ask me if I could give up on professional wrestling just because I was born small, I wouldn't be able to. I want to be the very best in all Japan as a junior. It moves to Kento. All Japan pro wrestling equals heavyweights. It's up to them to change that image. But sadly, their opponents are Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi. We are the most thrilling tag team in the world right now. We will smash them and achieve the one. It moves on to the brothers and the tag for this is big bro, little bro, blood doesn't matter. Atsuki starts off. After all, in order to keep things exciting, it's important to surpass your big brother. I think that it will make for an interesting story. My goal is to do that here. Yuma, and this goes back to actually what you were saying, Alicia, states, he became a singles champion before his big brother. He's on a roll, the little bastard. He's been getting on my nerves when we've been talking lately, <laughs> and I think he needs to be corrected by his big brother in this title match. And it gives uh, one last sign, says, show off the current state of all Japan pro wrestling. Kento starts us off. Miyahara Kento is the face of professional wrestling, so it's really up to them. Can they show the current state of AJPW? I've been showing them the present state all these years through the entire professional wrestling industry, so it's all up to them. Atsuki goes on. Miyahara Kento, Yuma Aoyagi, Rising Hayato, all fighting tooth and nail with Atsuki Aoyagi. I'll make AJPW even more interesting. Please look forward to it. Yuma is the next to give his last thoughts. This belt can't seem to get enough of me, so I think it's going to be very difficult for both of them. But I would like to make this a title match that symbolizes the new era of All Japan. Or, to put it simply, I would like this to be a title match that shows off the underlying strength of AJPW. Hayato closes us out. I'm going to prove I'm the coolest guy in this match and change the landscape of AJPW. Everyone, look forward to it. So that sort of sets us up immediately, gives us a fantastic story. Hayato also um, did a really good job on Twitter and in his promo with uh, Kento and Yuma when he made the challenge to sort of paint this image of like size doesn't matter and um, 
And then I really liked this VTR because it gave us more with Otsuki and Yuma as well. I hadn't really realized that Otsuki had won that singles championship before Yuma has ever had one. So that was just really good to see. I really wanted to translate that and, um, and give it to you guys so that you could um, really appreciate that if you go back and watch this match. Or if you haven't watched this match, you absolutely need to because it was phenomenal i am obsessed with it i really really loved it and i am eager to hear your thoughts so Luis, if you want to go ahead and start us off sure thank you so much for that as well it like i mean i knew just watching it <clears throat> watching it live i knew that there was some gravity to the the vtr anyway but um knowing exactly what was said was awesome yeah i i don't know i think i think the first thing i want to say is this is in my opinion this is my. Uh, this is also my match of the entire night as well. I think, like, I mean, the Violent Giants Strong BJ match was important to me and is important for uh, not so much all Japan reasons, but Big Japan as well. But for purely all Japan history and and the importance that it was, I think this has got to be it. And this has got uh, obviously a really incredible story to it to it too. Whilst I was watching this, and I, I think it's made pretty clear from the get go that that's the case. I mean, the ch- from the challenge to the VTR, I think. You know, all four of them talk, but to me, Hayato shines throughout that entire thing. And even just, just during pretty much everything, I think it's very clear that this that's who this is is about, in, in my opinion. Um, I think it's okay. I think it's fair to say maybe two years, maybe a year and a half ago, that he is the he was the fourth most important person in Next Dream. Uh, and interesting, I think, as well, and ability-wise, probably. What a journey this guy has been on in the last really year, I guess, um, to come to this point. Um, I think, yeah, I, I just think this undying need to prove that he it can be talked about in this incredible, like this 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 um, group that will go down in the histories of of all Japan as as being one of the most important um, in terms of the names that are attached to it. I think he's done everything that he can to live up to that moniker uh, in terms of being mentioned in that, in that conversation and just, and it shows throughout this entire match, the, the brutality that both Kento and Yuma show towards him. They beat him like mercilessly the entire time. And he, it's it's just, it, for the most part, you know, Atsuki is in there at points, but it, it really is just higher to trying to hold on the entire time. And 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 there's things like uh, drop kicks and strikes thrown that are so. We we talked about Atsuki before about um, in in the match with Kaito, but the the sloppiness of the kicks and the, and the the strikes that Hayato throws in this. I think tell the story of just how beaten down he is to try and get those small windows of of trying to shift the momentum back in the favor of the of, of the challenging team. I think honestly as well, there is no main uh, there is no top like contenders in both weight divisions in any other company um, that I'm aware of that are, that have the story that these two like these four men have with not only each other but together like they are both incredible tag teams with each other. Unfortunately, at this point, because Jake is not here anymore, I think Yuma kind of, in my opinion, slots into that sort of role as being Kento's rival at this point. It, it's a shame that, that Jake isn't, but I think even though Kento hasn't, you know, obviously did not acknowledge it like he did with um, Jake, um, I think that's the next closest person for him at this point. And then the fact that you have two uh, two of them that are in different weight classes that are related to each other. I just don't know any dynamic in any other kind of company that is like that. And 
yeah, I just think it's it's like it's incredible. It's an incredible match with just the history that Next Dream has and and the 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 undying need for both Atsuki and Hayato to show that they are just as important in their own way as as Kento and Yumara. So that was really beautiful and super hard to follow. I want to highlight something. I feel like I'm I've been harping on this a lot since the end of January, but Kento is so deliberate in everything that he says and everything that he does because he's so detail-oriented. I just want to point this out again from Rachel's translating of the VTR. He says, Kento is the face of professional wrestling, so it's really up to them. Can they show the current state of AJPW? I've been showing them the present state all these years through the entire professional wrestling industry. So it's all up to them. He really is still demonstrating since those comments he made at the end of January that he's sort of done bringing up the new generation and now it's sort of on everybody else to show how much they've learned from him because of course he's presenting himself as being the person that has taught them all of this right so it's just interesting to to see him um to see him to say this in a in this VTR, I thought this VTR was really well done. And like Rachel was saying, like we had like two days to kind of get ready, I think, for like the emotional weight and impact of like a match like this. But as Lewis was perfectly in- illustrating as well, and the way that we also tried to talk about this in Next Stream Part 1, and like I keep sort of darkly hinting at, we'll, we'll put out Next Stream Part 2, it's coming. But um, there is, they they really have no equal when it comes to what they have done since the four of them started together, Kendo, Jake, Naoya, and Yuma, and then moving into the second generation, which then included Rising Hayato and um, Atsuki. It's it's such a unique thing. It's unique to All Japan, and it's such an important part of understanding contemporary All Japan. You can't really, I think, get a good feel for this company today unless you understand the story of Next Dream, which runs through so much of the storylines of contemporary and modern day All Japan. And so to get this challenge between, you know, Next Dream, but the second generation of Next Dream, that's really special and really important. So there was a lot of things going into this match that just made it so incredible and to make another Maru Ken reference, I do think there is something too, like the Maru Ken reference with Hayato and Atsuki. It doesn't feel forced to me to bring it back to those two because of the way that they are. There was also the camera shots were like amazing because it was just, it looked so much like the shots of Mara Fuji. I think it was from the way that the camera was placed, but the way that the shots of Mara Fuji and Kenta before they faced misawa and ogawa so there was that element there but you have atsuki and hayato who work so incredibly well together but at a moment's notice they're rivals and also they're two incredibly different people they're so different as characters and then also as people and that's really the the core of the story with Maru Ken as well they could not be they could not be more different um Maru Ken I think actually um Atsuki and Hayato even on um you know a kayfabe level they get along a lot better than Maru Ken we're supposed to get along so there's that but there are these little elements there that just that just really sort of work and then you have Kento and Yuma just being like Lewis illustrating there's just the worst most brutal bullies to these guys but like really taking it to Hayato and 
it's extraordinary what they wind up doing in it because the entire match is built around Hayato and Hayato, even in taking these beatings, he looks like a star. And he, to me, even in Atsuki, obviously in his second reign with the world junior championship, he's, you know, been, we've long established. He is the, the young ace, the, the new ace of the juniors. Hayato to me is the guy though like i really think that he is the emotional investment in all japan juniors like he is extraordinary and the way that they built this match around him having to overcome um kento and yuma was just so effective and extraordinary he had some great spots in this match there was a great spot with the ddt hayato's ddt into the lion's salt like that just looked so great with kento um and the way kento sells for him and then he had that great spot using Yuma's back to then get to Kento in the corner, which was just looked fantastic. You had all these incredibly exciting sequences and, you know, Hayato coming out with a lot to prove. He's the only person in that match who doesn't have a title, who is not established in the same way as the other three are. And yet he looks like the biggest star in the match. And that is, I think, the brilliance of the match. It is such a statement piece for Hayato. And it's just... It's amazing. Like Lewis was saying, like we've been on such a journey with Hayato. I really wrote him off as just a green boy who was never going to, you know, really amount to much. And that's like so crazy to say because he is easily one of my favorite wrestlers working and he's extraordinary. I, I think he's only going to get better, which is also insane to say, but like he's so young and he, he learns things now so rapidly. And you can tell that he sits at the knee of Kento Miyahara. There's so much of Kento in him i also see a lot of kento in rio inoue and rio inoue is only going to get better and they are talking a lot about the this is the new all japan this is you know yuma's really driving that home too which makes me uh delirious with excitement but they're really driving home that this is the the new all japan and it makes me just so delighted to be a fan at this stage because we're watching the new all japan be framed around next stream and the vision that these guys have for their company and they've been around for a long time and they've all been through a lot and they've now had to deal with jake leaving naoya is injured again and we're waiting for naoya to come back and he will come back but this match is, is such a statement piece, not just for Hayato, but for the vision they have for their company, even through some of the parts of All Japan's booking that we don't like and we don't appreciate. And that, I think, is really important to take away from this match, too. This is their vision, Next Stream's vision for their company. I think that was uh, perfectly said. You could just really tell how how proud everyone was of each other for for putting on that match and then it really showed with kento like that really took me took my breath away um even like from the beginning of the match you can sort of see kento just kind of like trying not to show how proud he was of hayato and and it and, and then it just sort of culminated through and and led to that hug in a lot of ways it was, it was just a wonderful match really really good and um and Hayato is just such a star. Like he's so popular. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it was really remarkable, but um, yeah, I really wanted to shout out the uh, Gurantai versus Voodoo Murders match. I, I had a lot of fun with uh, watching Wada Kyohei's extremely bad day. Zuki made me really um, 
really made up for a lot of the movement issues. They had still a lot of like chemistry together, a lot of tag chemistry. And yeah, I, I actually saw people on Twitter wanting a tag challenge from them. And I, I do not agree with that, but it was still, I, we're not, we're not looking at that, but um, yeah. And instead, actually um, it's worth noting that we do get a Suzuki challenge after the um, tag, um, the tag belt defense and um, Hokuto Omori and Minoru Suzuki will be challenging for the tag belt. So that is, that is worth saying. But yeah, as far as this match, I thought it was really fun. And I really wanted to see um, more of like uh, Taokea and uh, Suzuki's Gurantai tag run. Um, and so I went, I'm not going to spoil the end of the episode, but I did look a little bit into that later. Uh, but yeah, what did you guys think of it? I don't really have thoughts on the match itself. I was watching this at 11 o'clock at night and I've never seen old Gurantai matches. So I didn't know what song they walked out to. So at 11 o'clock at night, I was sitting quietly in a house that was fully asleep and holding out for a hero hit. And I yelled like quite loudly <laughs> and got in a lot of shit for it um, because it hyped me up so much. And then the rest, like, I mean, they could have, they could have been the worst match in the world, but if you walk out to a song like that, in which they did, uh, I think at that point, there's, there's not really anything you can do wrong in my eyes at that point. Like I will just look at it on it favorably because of that. Did you guys have any thoughts on um, the women's match? Maya Yukihi and Mayumi Ozaki versus Chichi and Sunny, since um, we we got a little bit more of the Evolution Joshi uh, hanging out on this card. I love Chichi's theme. I thought that was phenomenal. Just phenomenal. But in general, I did not like this match. And unfortunately, it was because Chichi. And she's whatever. I'm not going to bury her. She she's new and she needs to learn. But God, she doesn't know how to sell yet for things. Um, I think it might have been um, Maya Yukihi who slapped her on the apron, and she didn't even react to the slap. She just kind of jumped off of the apron to the floor, and then that was it. And it looked bad. I didn't like that. I don't know. I just I think that. I do really like Maya Yukihi a lot. I do like Mayumi Ozaki a lot, but I enjoyed these matches on the card on the cards rather a lot more when it was like Suwama was involved in them when it was like more intergender matches when it's just showcasing um, these different Joshi wrestlers. I'm I haven't been as big of, of a fan, and I don't really know what's going to. Um, to help with that necessarily but I think that it doesn't help certainly that I think the Evo girls they're just really new and um I think that we saw like maybe some some holes that haven't been sort of fixed in their wrestling yet but it's going to take a long time to train some of that stuff out of them so I don't know I I, I don't I don't know um I don't know. I just wasn't a fan of um, of this one, certainly. I think they have um, another match on an All Japan card coming up next month, and we'll see how that goes. But this was not um, this was not one of my favorites on this undercard. I didn't think that this was a very strong Ota Ward undercard in general. How's that? Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, I think also, you know, Ota Ward is not a small building, and this is a, like, first match on... Oh no, sorry, not first match on second, I think it was. Um, match on this is a that's tough for people that are that early on into your careers to be in a building that big with that many people and they're looking at you. Um it's funny, like 
Sunny, I would say if I had to compare, I think Sunny is a bit more further along than Chi Chi, but the way that she wrestles is kind of a bit wild and out of control. Like Chi Chi, there is, yeah, I think the basics that still need quite a bit of work, but I think Sunny, like it's there. It's just needs to be kind of reined in a little bit. And I think, yeah, I think putting them in a, um, in a tag against Azaki and Yuhiki with no other support in terms of a Suwama or an Ishikawa or something like that is a bit difficult. Um, and I think they still are at that point where they need that kind of guidance uh, at this point. Yeah, I agree. I, I really don't have anything to add, but I was very curious if you guys did. Yeah, not not the strongest undercard, but we did have... Um... We did have some things worth uh, talking about, especially now um, as we talk about the main event, which is, uh, yeah, yeah, Nagata versus Anzai. So, uh, yeah, Alicia, do you want to go ahead and start us off with this one? I do. I want to read some notes about that as well before we get into it. Nagata wore the original belts to the ring and then they were taken off and then presented by a gentleman that we are actually not sure who that is. So if you do know who that is. Please feel free to let us know. But then Stan Hansen held a belt and Masanobu Fuchi held a belt and they did all that before the match began. Um, and then afterward as well, I want to mention that Nagata, um, he's adorned with the three belts again. He did pose with Stan and Fuchi. And then Yuma Aoyagi came to the ring and challenged Nagata for the triple crown next. And they set that match for July 2nd. So a lot of implications, um, even within the match that Yuma Anzai lost and then for moving forward with Yuma Aoyagi. So yeah, I'll just say very quickly, I actually thought in general, and I know I've been, uh, I've not been very high on Nagata since like the, the moment he won the belt, right? But I felt that this was his best performance by far. Nagata, like I said before, he was really invested in working with Anzai and that came across. And that's why I think the match worked so well. He was really invested in being the senior that Anzai had to try to figure out how to overcome. And through that, we learned that while Anzai is a superstar, he's a super rookie. He is not quite ready yet to surpass a veteran, a senior on the level of Yuji Nagata, to win the triple crown. And I think like, I know I was speculating about them bringing the three belts to Ota Ward. I was like, Oh, are they going to give the belts to Yuma Anzai um, for that alone? But no, they were setting up a moment for Nagata to have the the three belts and whatever. It had nothing to do with it. There was some actually really interesting spots when they were on the floor at a certain point, Anzai had this flying punch from the barricade that you can't actually see Anzai because the the camera's not on him. You just see Nagata's eyes widen as Anzai is coming toward him, which is actually very effective. And it was really a cool spot and just sold really well by Nagata. There was a moonsault in this here from Anzai, which was like, it didn't work, but it was still a really interesting component of this match. Um, And and again, I just thought it was a great effort um, from Anzai, but a huge effort, I think, from Nagata in terms of just like a real like statement of this reign from him. I think he really cared about pulling Anzai. Um, Anzai, of course, has the ability to have a match like this, but in terms of giving Anzai like someone to try to like really like overcome as like a baby face just like trying so desperately at his first attempt at the triple crown this this worked because you know Nagata really showed up for that and it's clear that he cared about doing this and doing it well so yeah I think a very effective 
triple crown match. There was a lot of things in here that I think anyone could like. And then obviously all the excitement is in Yuma Aoyagi stepping up to challenge Nagata. And um, we'll talk about predictions, I think, in a moment. But this was um, obviously everyone, I think, has been waiting with bated breath on if this would be the move um, for Yuma. And it seems like that's where we're headed next. So very exciting. Yeah, I think, I think you said it. Um, well, my really, um, I really like this match. Actually, I liked it more than I thought I would. I, um, I didn't expect to want to translate so much for the match that came before this. So I ended up like watching this, like I ended up watching this the next day I had to go to sleep, but I am really glad that I did watch it all on its own. Um, because I, I felt like I could appreciate it a lot more, not like blinded by any of the uh the other matches um yeah I, I thought it was good Nagata just really cares about Anzai and you can really really tell um I loved the moonsault attempt um I thought that was really interesting and um I really felt that like Anzai was trying something unexpected to sort of like that was his only hope to to get the better end of this veteran and, and the veteran still sort of you know got the better of him in the end and it, it was good it was just a nicely put together match um, but yeah, I, I'm mostly now here for uh, Yuma Yagi, and um, he's he's definitely winning the triple crown. I feel it. We all feel it. I think it's time. Yeah. So I'm putting that out into the out into the world. I don't know if I'm gonna jinx it, but it's coming. We're we're making it happen. So yeah, Lewis, go ahead. So I watched the last three matches twice. Uh, I watched the. F- the first time I took notes and then the second time I just kind of watched for my own enjoyment. And I watched with a friend um, who occasionally isn't su- like, isn't really into wrestling that much, but doesn't mind watching. When this match came on, I made sure not to really say too much about Anzai, just to see what his opinion of him was. Uh, I explained the garden and like his history a bit, but as he was walking out and the VTR, um, as he was walking out though, he was saying, wow, like he kind of have like a bit of a presence to him. And I was like, yeah. And I was listening to it, like, he was like, yeah, it's interesting. Like he's a good looking guy. Obviously he's quite, he looks quite young and we're talking about that. And then I explained obviously that he's not even a year in um, and what has kind of happened now with what all Japan has been doing. But I think even from an outside perspective, I think people see it. And I think that's the important thing. Like, I think if you can have people that are not watching the product ultimately, looking at, at, at Anzai and going, yeah, there's something to this guy. I think that's like, that's what you want. Like that's the, ultimately the reaction that you want from people. Um, this entire, uh, I'll say experiment with him has been every, every decision made has been the right decision, including this one. I think th- the buck had to stop at some point, And I think this is a hundred percent the correct move. I think all the wins that he's accumulated over the last kind of couple of months at this point through that of champion carnival and beyond um, have led up to this point. And I think just falling short of the triple crown this early is the correct move because yeah, he's, he's incredible. Like he's so good. It's, it, it's, it's stupid how good he is for how little time he's had in the ring, but there are still things there that you can pick up on um, that need work. And I think, Nagata was as much again I am definitely in agreement with um Alicia that it was a questionable decision I love Nagata I think he's great um as a as both a, a bit of a meme and also just in general I think he's awesome but I do not think he should have been triple crown champion um and I don't think he would have been had things changed uh a little bit for this long but 
I think he was the correct move. And I think he, um, I think having him in, in there with Anzai to kind of guide him through this uh, in the small things that he falls short on at this point still is the, is the move to go. But in my eyes, it's Ayagi's time. It's got to be. Like, I think, I think Kento, um, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I think Kento is busy with somebody else at this point and probably has a little bit more maybe possibly to go with that kind of stuff. And I think you, um, putting it on Yuma is, is the decision. Like, it's got to be the decision. Yeah. To harken back again, once again to those end of January comments about how the the younger gen in All Japan is on their own because he's done bringing them up. He also said that this year was about him doing whatever he wants. And I think we're seeing him leaning into that. We're going to talk about why um, in a moment. But we have this really interesting period where he's doing whatever he wants. And that's taking him down a very different path. It has nothing in his own words to do with All Japan, which is very unusual for him. So he's doing that. And his relationship with Yuma is very interesting now. Rachel pointed out that Yuma is directing him a lot more. Um, than he ever has in their tag team right now. And they're not tagging as next room. That next room dynamic doesn't exist to them right now. It really is a tag team right now that feels like two almost ace, different types of ace figures working together, right? Which is very, very different for them, but speaks to, I think, where we are with Yuma right now, who feels the most ready he has ever felt to do this. And could I have seen them extending it out longer? Because that's how they've They've done it before with playing it out with them in the Triple Crown and these different guys challenging. Yeah, um, I could have, I could have seen them going out longer. I think the question of like it really is what you've just mentioned is you know what would have what what would have Ash- Ashino challenging would have done? Would he have won? Would he have won? And then we would have seen Yuma come later. Would Kento have gotten back into the mix? And we would have seen Yuma win from Kento, which is what I would have originally wanted, right? So there's a lot of questions there, but I think what is unquestionable is how ready Yuma is to do this. He has looked, he looks more ready than he ever has to really do this. And, um, you know, one of the other comments that Kento made in January was, I want to see what Yuma can do without Miyahara Kento. And I think we have seen that over time since those comments and, and Yuma was so mad on Twitter about those comments that Kento made in the press at the time, right? But I think we have seen since that time, Yuma step up to the plate and show everybody who he is without Miyahara Kento. And then we're seeing him with Kento in this tag team. And he is still definitively Yuma. And he's not just standing behind Kento as the the second guy in the, you know, Kento Yuma next stream lineup, right? So I think it's time. And I think he's ready for it. And I think he is a believable top guy in all Japan. And yeah, there's a lot to be said for where we can go from here with that in mind. Before we get to day five of this tour, I just want to mention that the day after Ota Ward, Yuji Nagata held his annual self-produced show, Blue Justice 12, in his home prefecture of Chiba in Sakura Civic Gymnasium in the main event. Nagata, Master Wato, Satoshi Kojima, and Hiroshi Tanahashi took on Kento Miyahara, Atsuki Aoyagi, Yuma Anzai, and Yuma Aoyagi. Sunichi Shin Jedi were defeated in 23 minutes, 51 seconds. I don't want to linger too, too long on this one, but did anyone have any thoughts on 
this match, I'll just say that like Kento really leaned into being in front of a New Japan audience again after All Together again. So we really played into that on social media and in some of the articles that were showing up on New Japan social feeds with like, you know, articles and quotes and stuff from him. But yeah, that's pretty much all I've really got for this one. Um, my only point would be to say, if you think that uh, Kento is not popular everywhere, you're lying. You're lying to yourself. Like this dude shows up everywhere. And like Noah, I think I can somewhat, like people can justify or cope enough to say, well, it's close enough that people, in, you know, interlock. But like New Japan fans are New Japan fans. Like they're very much, who, that's who they support. And maybe, look, maybe a lot of people showed up for Kento, but I don't fully believe that. I think the amount of noise that was generated when he came out in chance was uh, surprising to even me. And like, I knew he was going to get a bit of a reaction, but he, it was loud. Like it was really loud for him. And I think all of those boys came in and did exactly what they needed to do, which was be a heel group against that of the guy whose anniversary show it was. And they did, they did their job really well. From the people that I was tracking and following on Twitter, um, some, tweets I was translating there were people who were just very um they liked Kento being a heel he's very entertaining when he's actually acting like a heel so um yeah I think that worked out really well for him I I can't remember where I think it was maybe in the all together again review that we did with Deswari but I just think that the myth of the well maybe it was it was not never really based in a myth but the days of Japanese fans only watching one promotion like very loyally like that's kind of gone you know I think people put too much stock into that um I think people even if maybe like the New Japan fans aren't following all Japan very closely they're following Kento I think people don't realize how much some of these guys like Kento Keno people like that they do a lot of stuff outside of pro wrestling to promote themselves it has nothing to do with pro wrestling but they appear as kento miyahara keno etc so people see these guys and people know who they are even if they're not like super uber famous like that we would you know consider someone like maybe from like a wwe would be like famous in the level of right but like they still do things they still go out and do their own appearances so yeah i think that a lot of that is people not catching up to uh the times or taking the time to read japanese fans tweets Let's move into day five, which took place on June 26th in Shinkiba, first ring in Tokyo, our hallowed halls of Shinkiba, first ring. On this card, we had Dan Tamara and Hikaru Sato. They defeated Black Menso Ray and Kinichiro Arai in six minutes and 23 seconds. I want to say that after this match, Sato pulled a letter out of his tights from Hideki Suzuki, of all people, who wants to challenge for the Aoyagi Brothers UN titles with him. Um, on Twitter and also in the ring as well, Dan questioned why he wouldn't be Sato's partner in that challenge. He was disappointed, so we can talk about that. The next match was Rising Hayato versus Yutani, which went to a 15-minute time limit draw. Then we had Manabu Soya, who defeated Takao Amori in 6 minutes and 47 seconds. We also had Astronauts, Fuminori Abe and Takinomura, and Ryo Inoue versus Hokuto Amori, Naoki Tanizaki, and Ruki Doi. They went to a 20-minute time limit draw. We had Kento Miyahara. He defeated Kotoro Suzuki in 14 minutes and 14 seconds. 
We had Jun Saito and Rei Saito versus Daisuke Sakimoto and Suwama. That resulted in a double count out in 8 minutes and 31 seconds. And then we had Master Wato, Ryuki Honda, and Yuji Nagata. They defeated Zenichi Shinjudai, and that's Asuki Aoyagi and Yuma Aoyagi and Kyoshi Tatsu in 16 minutes and 32 seconds. Main event Tatsu. Yeah, great. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, this this card was fantastic. So, yeah, I, I want to just start from the top, to be honest, and talk about Dan. Because, like, first off, Dan got the pin in this match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he, he got the pin. Why, why is suddenly Sato challenging for the, the titles against the Atsuki Kyodai without him? And he's, he's valid. He did nothing wrong. Like, he, he is valid for feeling the way he does. And I want to see this continue. And I want... This sort of goes back to what Alicia was saying, where like Dan didn't immediately give in to Suwama. He he's standing his own now and, and he's very much his own person. And now we're getting to see that with maybe possibly some tension with Sato. And it's just really compelling and really interesting. And also just this whole this whole tag challenge, like the match is gonna be phenomenal, first off, with with Sato and um Suzuki versus um the Atsuki and uh, Yuma combi but um but yeah Sato was very disparaging of Hideki and he called him like the most annoying man in the world like <laughs> um and it, it was very funny he's was, he was like yeah I'm gonna challenge with the most troubling man in the industry and um it, it was very it was very funny so there's a lot to look forward to here and I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts I think I have Shinkiba first ring bias because like I, I very rarely ever watch a show where I don't love it because I think Shinkiba just has like a special place in my in my heart. Um, I love finishes like this um, so much. Like the the oh, this is a hundred percent my opponent that I'm low blowing into the power bomb that, uh, that Dan gave uh, Menzere after a ride low blowed him. I love that shit. I think it's awesome. Um, is it upsetting that Dan? Isn't getting to tag with Sato? It is. But I'll tell you what, it's fucking catch as catch can, Pancreas time, baby. That is that is the tag team that I want to see challenging the Sato brothers. That is going to be such a good match. I, I, Ayoagis is what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> that would be, okay, that would not be a good match, seeing those those two tag teams. But um, yeah, I think, um, what was I going to say? I think it's fun. Like we didn't touch on it, but I think it's so funny that like obviously there's still a bit of healing that needs to be done in evolution. But the quiet uh, is it onigiri that they were eating? Uh, yeah, rice balls. Yeah, just quiet, like kind of subtle moment backstage all together where they're all just kind of munching uh, on the rice balls. No one's really talking very much. It just encapsulates how weird evolution is sometimes. I think it's really funny. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be an incredible tag. Uh, and like pretty much in terms of Tenryu Project, uh, that's the two people um, pretty much that I love from there, which is um, Hideki and Sato. So next up, we have um, what we have been calling the pretty boy match between Rising Hayato and Yutani. And uh, yeah, Yutani has been winning me over quite a bit, like slowly. And um, and I, I loved it. I love this match. I do not understand why it had to be a draw. I'll be perfectly honest. I think that they should have given Hayato the win in our hallowed halls of Shinkaba um, first ring, which speaking of like chops and that 
in Shinkaba just sound incredible. Like Haito has some chops, but they sounded vicious. <laughs> like they sounded incredible in this match. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was just a really good match. Utani was pretty popular. Like he had some fans, which is really saying something standing up against rising Hayato where people were getting like fever pitch, like just fervorish to try to like cheer him on to the end. Like they were desperate for that win. Um, and it was just, it was incredible. There was a lot of really good tension in the match. Um, and Utani just has a lot of potential. He's really interesting. Um, and I think the face paint looks really cool. Unlike Alicia, who, who's not a big fan of it. He but, just um, looks like a Skyrim NPC. I like that. Sounds it. sick. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, he's 22. It's fine. Let him paint his face for now. Is um, he real? Yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed the match. I just think that they could have had a, a decisive ending or even gone past the 15 minutes. But we'll see. Maybe we'll do more with them in the future. I would love to see more Yutani here in uh, All Japan. I would really, really like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat. I I like Yutani so much more than Ishida, to be honest. Sorry, Lewis. But I I really like Yutani. I kind of want to keep him. I don't really want to give him back to Glate. Um, I don't really want to have Kotro going over to Glate that often either. I wish we could just keep both of them. And they can do their little, what is it called? Black label something or other? <laughs> Black Generation <laughs> International. That's right. So they can just do that here. I think that's fine. I don't mean to be so disparaging, by the way, if you're listening and you're a Glate fan. It's just getting late. And I couldn't remember the name of that tag team or their little faction, whatever it's called. So regardless, I really like Yutani. I think that he's really, really fucking fun. He has a lot of potential. I forgot that he's that young. 22 is so young. Um, but he has a lot of potential. And I thought he was great with um, Hayato here. I agree with Rachel. I was confused about this having to go to a 15-minute draw. I do think it gives something for him and Hayato to build against, which is maybe why you do that here. Um, so it's, it's probably not the worst thing um, in hindsight. But I did think that this match really worked. Um, and this Shinkaba crowd, like, they sold this match. Like, this crowd was phenomenal with, like, Hayato trying to, like, not tap out at the end and he didn't know if he was going to or not and then the bell rang like the crowd sold the hell out of that like the final moments of this match and just made Yutani and Hayato look like these fucking like big deals in this building like this was this match and I think a lot of matches on the, on this card were really like sold by this like hardcore all Japan fan base in Shinkaba um you know showing up for these matches so that was super cool but like the way that they were reacting to Hayato almost tapping was like it had me on the edge of my seat and I know what the results are before I go into the cards but that was really effective so yeah I, I love this this is one of my favorite matches actually on this card and I want to see more of Yutani I really like him I hope that we get to see him back um, whether he's tagging a Kotaro or he's coming over for things like this. For sure. I mean, and this is just, you know, this is the icing on top of the cake that is rising Hayato's June. Like this is um, what a run, <laughs> what an incredible run of matches. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you couldn't find a better dancing partner um, between those two. Uh, they are, Similar in some ways and then so different in others. Um, Yutani is obviously a lot of his history has been in Mexico uh, and training there. And from what I understand, I think uh, Zavi or Zavi talked about it uh, on Twitter the other day. I'm pretty sure Kataro is having a pretty decent hand now that he's back in uh, kind of tutoring. 
um, because they're in the same faction together. But yeah, I just think that, you know, the, the two of them work so well together and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit more to this because both of them were chirping at each other on Twitter pretty hard. Um, he left uh, Hayato a very nice bruise just under his eye and they were both talking about that. So I think there's probably a little bit more to this. Um, I agree. Look, I know I'm big number one G defender, but um, I think <laughs> um, I think the less utilized people that are on their roster, like Yutani, um, Kataro obviously has history with all Japan, but um, Soma Watanabe is another one I would definitely like to see. Yuzuka coming back would be really good. I think anyone that's not really doing anything. I mean, I know Soma's challenging for the G-Rex, but anyone that, that hasn't got, isn't kind of their main event, I think coming over. Um, I know, I know how we feel about Glee and all that other kind of stuff, but I think there are people on that roster that would mesh very well with members of the All Japan roster rather than uh, a, uh, Ishida or all the, you know, above, like all those kinds of people who obviously have wrestled one kind of style and, and don't really match with that of All Japan. But um, yeah, I think, I think that we'll probably see something else about this. It might be a tag, it might be another singles match, but I think the two of them have really, really good chemistry together. So the next match... I didn't know was I totally forgot this match was happening until Alicia told me um, the night before. And then I was just beside myself. And that's uh, Takao Mori and um, Manabu Soya. And of course, uh, Congo had just agreed to disband following Kano's 15th anniversary show on June 24th. So, um, so I was actually the member who took this the hardest. He had um, been just the most loyal member to uh, Keno and Congo as a whole. In fact, he had actually been in Congo since his debut in NOAA that was on April 19th, 2020. So like every, every single part of him was red, just red, um, red beard, red hair, um, red trunks, red eyes, like everything about him. So when he walked out with the dark hair and the black trunks, I lost it I absolutely lost it but the crowd did too like they were screaming for him like you would have thought he was like a k-pop heartthrob like people were just hollering for him and and to like Alicia what she said like this crowd really made a lot of this show um but yeah I'm really curious about um your impressions of this match and how you feel about it I have a lot of things I can say and um I'd like to talk a little bit about his backstages as well but um before we get into that I would like to hear your impressions on um Soya's outside of Congo re-debut and everything um surrounding that and his uh so far for now final match with Takao Mori so I think for me I was surprised like I wasn't surprised to see him not be red anymore because like why would he still be red if there's no more Congo I, I felt he would go back to his dark hair we've seen him with that before I'm anticipating him going back to honestly like the longer hair with like like his like waves and stuff like more or less like over time fingers crossed in a big way right good hair. Um, what surprised me was the black trunks because black trunks still symbolizes like when you're a rookie right when you're at the infancy of something when you're in the beginning of your career it really is still tied to like that look of a new wrestler right and so that was surprising to me and I wasn't sure how I felt about that necessarily because I had been looking forward to seeing what he was going to do for himself coming off of Congo but 
really in in sort of sitting with this for a few days i think this is probably the only thing that he probably could have done for right now with how seriously he took his identity as a member of congo and like you were saying he was like he really was keno's like loyal lieutenant right like uh, i think that would be the right maybe position to kind of um to parallel that with but he, like his loyal lieutenant all the way through to the end and it makes sense that, you know, he's he's talking a lot about needing to kind of move forward, which is, you know, the point of disbanding Congo is so that they can all move forward. But starting at the at the sort of the ground zero of then needing to be back in the black tights for this, like there is um there is a seriousness and a weight to that that comes with, I think, how seriously he took his time in Congo. So that is interesting and compelling to sit with all these days later. Um, yeah, and the match itself, I think, was... I think the match was fine. Um, I don't think it was like anything like tremendous. It was an under seven minute match. I think the image of Takao Mori grasping at his ankles afterward is, is going to stay with me for a long time simply because it was, it was, it was kind of funny, but there was almost like something to that, that I don't know that was actually very intentional because you have some post-match comments that you'll read Rachel that you translated, but um, this is going to be Soya's last All Japan appearance. And he really was viewing this as like, well, thank you for the nostalgia. This was, you know, this was my home and, and now I'm kind of done. My my heart is really in in moving forward in Noah, moving up the card in Noah, which says a lot, you know. Um, but there is something to Takao Mori, this man who has also meant so much to him and has represented so much to him in All Japan, trying to hold on to him by his ankle so that he can't move on from his former home and the nostalgia. So there's something about that and just seeing it kind of played out like that that was a little bit funny to me but i think it was a, a fine match i think you know soya looked good he did kind of get the handshake from Takao, even though it wasn't really a handshake and then on the way out he bowed um Takao wasn't watching him when he bowed though so you have that sort of interesting um dynamic there too but um, it's sad though because i think soya was booked really really well and like we just came off of the barn burner of him and, and Yuma together. And now we don't get him any here anymore. And that's disappointing. I also felt like for him having been in an entire champion carnival, I didn't like that champion carnival. And I didn't think that he was utilized as well as he could have been in that champion carnival. I don't think we saw nearly as much as we could have seen him doing it if we had a better booked carnival. So that's disappointing. I think I'm just kind of I'm I'm very with the thought of him being back in Black Trunks and like all the character around that, all the character development and story and what it means about his time in Congo and what it might mean for him moving forward. I think that I'm just disappointed that for as much as we got to see him in All Japan, like the world tag stuff, phenomenal. But I don't think we saw enough. Like we got a great Yuma match, the world tag titles, and then I don't think we saw enough. So that that part of it is kind of disappointing. God, this is such an interesting match, and not and not because of what actually happened in it, but more so everything around it and before and and, and after in terms of for Sawyer. Um, I don't know. I think I, as I was watching this, I was just thinking back, and and that was something I was thinking when we were talking earlier. Is like he has never not been in Congo. He's always been in Congo, and that's been his entire identity. And you're right. He is a hundred percent his character or who he is and i think about i think back to when uh fanaki won the national championship and he's in the ring or he's backstage addressing everyone about titles and he gets to soya and soya just kind of looks a bit 
like a child put in front of a class to present and he's got nothing ready. Um, and I think that is some, like, it's, it's interesting because he is just kind of this, or he presents this kind of stoic kind of, you know, brute muscle, but quiet, get things done kind of way guy. And he, and when he talks, it's, it's, it's very matter of fact. And this is what I think, and this is what I will do kind of character. I think it's interesting because immediately after the dissolution of Congo, I think a lot of people just like that shifted to, well, he's got to go back to get wild. Like that's, what's going to be like, that's, you know, cause that's, that's his only in most people's eyes, his only other identity. And like, that's the main point of his popularity was that tag team. And it's a great tag team, but I think in wearing the black trunks and the, and the stripped down gear and dyeing his hair the way it is, I think it's less about, and going back to the beginning or, or, or starting from scratch, but well, in, in a way it is, but I think it's the message of I've learned so much during this time. I've been that person this entire time. This is, this part of my life has now ended and I'm starting anew, but I'm not going to go back to what people expect of me in, in get wild. I'm not going to t- tag with this man again, that, you know, this is a jumping off point for me. This is to reach where I, where I believe and where I should be and where other people believe I should be in terms of popularity and, and ability. And um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it would be, I don't think anyone on this on this podcast would think this, but I think it would be disingenuous to not that um, I, I love Amori. I think he's great, but like I don't. I think that's not his ceiling. His ceiling is far and beyond that. I think he. I think he has so much ability to be far more than he has been already uh, to this point. Um, and I think again, we got to got to praise the man with the bowl cut and the and the blonde hair for what he's done because I think he's really really shown. Soya specifically more than I think anyone else in that entire group, just what he can be. And I think that's what, I think that's, what's going to happen. I think leaving, not coming back to all Japan, not coming back to Amori and going back to Noah and going, this is, you know, this is my new mission statement and I'm doing this for myself and I have more confidence in myself than I had before. I think that's probably what's going to be happening. Yeah. Beautifully said. And I just want to add something to what you just said too, to your point, like a year ago, this would have been almost unfathomable. And it wasn't because I think of Soya inherently i think it's because unfortunately he's not always given the booking he deserves within pro wrestling noah but him coming out in the black trunks and his hair being dyed and all that my entire timeline when i saw this when i opened up twitter that day was him i've never seen so many photos of one man standing around in in, in just plain black trunks and just dark hair i've never seen it before but people just like people to that um that I follow who are AJPW hardcore and longtime AJPW hardcore, um, just like so happy about this. And like also the Noah, you know, fans that I follow who a lot of them like have seen him now cry twice in the ring this year. And a lot of the comments that I've been translating are like, I have to follow this man because he showed this level of emotion in the ring. And like, it really, like, I think it just speaks to what he has been able to demonstrate and do this year that people feel this strongly about following this man now forward to where I'm, I'm like, I'm really hoping that through this, like kind of ground zero point for him of like, you know, how do, where do I go from here? And, you know, where do I, where, where do I move on to within Noah? I really hope that the N1 this year is a huge starting point of that and what we could see from him fingers crossed indeed for that but i just was really blown away by the the level of support from people who i don't think had always thought about him 
because again, because of that kind of shitty dead end booking he was given for a long time. But the level of emotion that he has showed this year and this like the the testament to his wrestling, um, people feel like they have to follow him. And I think that says a lot about Soya. I think that's that's beautifully said, and I'm, I'm really happy to have gotten your thoughts, uh, both of you there, especially with the uh, the black trunks, because I I think it might just be a um, I I am actually wondering if he will just go to his wild gimmick. We'll see. Um, I'm thinking he might debut something either in the main event on the ninth or during the N one. I don't know, um, but I I think after hearing um, you guys, especially you, Alicia, talk about like you know, how black trunks sort of symbolize that new beginning and, and starting fresh. Um, I'm a little, I'm, I'm for it. I could see him wearing this up to the N1. Like we've got a whole month. So um, yeah, that would just be very interesting. Um, backstage, Soya stated, today marks the end of my time in All Japan Pro Wrestling. Thank you, AJPW, for these nostalgic memories. From now on, I will find my place in Noah. I live in the present, not the past. Next, 2023 the n1 victory i'm aiming for it so you have your uh your little um, storyline there to follow him forward which you know alicia said that beautifully is that you know people feel like they really really want to follow him now and and really want to see more from him because he just has shown so much emotion um yeah i've I've just been thinking a lot about um manabusoya and this storyline um that sort of began with um, this mini reunion with Takao at the Budokan. But the more I think about it, the story really did begin with him joining Congo in 2020. Um, and I was telling Alicia about this, but Congo has always been, um, for him to Soya, it's always been about friendship and camaraderie, but it's also been a really deeply personal and important journey and and you can tell in the way that he cried when it was disbanded like they they all agreed on this disbandment but you know he he still felt it in himself to cry and um and that goes hand in hand with his time revisiting all japan since september of last year it's it's been very personal it's about his history he's interacted with takao at multiple points in his time of AJPW, he, um, this isn't, this didn't take place in all Japan, but he, um, pinned Sonata, a former tag team, uh, partner of his in January. And then he had that little trip down memory lane with Naya Nomura, who was a Kohai, um, in the all Japan dojo who really, really admired him. You got some really cute, um, moments of, of Naya talking about how Soya taught him how to cook. And um, yeah, and all of his most significant points in all Japan um, have just been really personal and have been about his own history and his past there. So in a lot of ways, I think it just sort of relates to his status as a member of Congo, because Congo Congo's a found family of outsiders who came to become a pivotal part of Noah. Like that that's their whole story is that they enter the center of Noah through um, Keno and actually Nakajima as well. Um, but otherwise they were outsiders with a mark to make on the promotion. And no one was more of an outsider than Soya, who had not fought in that promotion before joining Congo. Um, how, how is as well, but then how sort of, we talk about, we talk about that at multiple points, <laughs> but, but Soya was, was Congo to the very end. And um, he was probably the truest outsider among them for that reason. So now you have him 
putting away Congo, putting away the Congo red and putting away all Japan at the exact same time. And that's making this very loud, deliberate statement that he is going forward with Noah and he is going to find his place, not as an outsider of Noah, but as a piece of it and, and something that is within Noah and inside of Noah. And, um, even if he hasn't really found his place there, he believes that it is there and he's ready to take that step forward. And I'm just really proud of him. He's like I said, he's just has incredible character work and um, people just really, really want to see him succeed. And hopefully we will get to see that success. Um, hopefully he'll have a good end one. Um, in my heart, I'm he's going to be in the finals with Keno. That might not happen, but but in my heart and soul, I don't know. I want to see him and Keno team up again eventually, and I, I think that will happen. But um, yeah, I, I think that's um, this was a really nice way. I wasn't really sure how any of his collaborations and trip down memory lane in All Japan was really fitting together. But now that I've seen this match and, and have gotten this whole story with, you know, Congo dissolving and, and him leaving all Japan at the exact same time. It all, it all clicks and it, he made that click and it worked really, really well for me. So speaking of trip down memory lane, <laughs> we also have an incredibly um, sweet and emotional match with uh, Kento Miyahara and Kotaro Suzuki. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, Alicia, do you want to start us off? I will. I have some background I want to give to. I was so, so fucking excited for this match as soon as they uh, announced it because this is such a, this is all from a very special time period in all Japan that also happens to sort of form the foundation of Kento's career and like most formative experiences in all Japan, which is why it's of particular interest to me. But yeah, so this match was an exceed reunion um and exceed is very important to kento's career in background he got to work with kotaro through this also asushi aoki and goshiyazaki as well but he had also already worked with these guys in noah so it's just this very interesting um sort of merge of all these things in his career kind of happening in all japan once he finally um signed and went over there full time but his first all japan belt was the all asia titles with kotaro um so they have quite a bit of history um together in that way and um prior to this match kento was zero and four against um kotaro but all their singles matches had taken place in noah between 2008 and 2011 so kotaro had faced a very different um kento right at that point um in their lives together so it's very interesting to me and um i really liked some of their social media stuff before because um before the match, Kotaro was saying that he was going to tell us what Kento is missing. And I like things like that because it always implies that he that he knows Kento, right? You know, there's a lot of history, a lot of years between them. Kento leaned into this, but from the jump, he was not like being the guy that we've come to know about this experience between the two of them. He called Kotaro superstar Suzuki Senpai. Um, and he seemed just like very eager to meet Kotaro in the ring. So I was very interested to see what this was going to feel like in practice. He posted a lot of older photos of them too, holding the all Asia tag belt. So I was really excited for this. And the match itself was so special and so interesting and not at all what I thought it was going to be. This match was not at all about 
Kento having an ace moment over Kotaro. This was not about showboating in front of Kotaro, like none of that. Like this was only about him paying his respects to Kotaro Suzuki and Kotaro had the better of him the entire time. It was fascinating to watch Kotaro work, or rather Kento work a match against Kotaro where Kento felt like the the junior again. He was really working a match almost like a rookie uh, to Kotaro and giving him a lot of deference. And it was fascinating to watch him work um, the match this way. He like Kotaro really um, had the better of him in all of the mat work. And you got to see a lot of what makes Kotaro such a smart and special wrestler and how um, he handled Kento, who was a much bigger man than Kotaro is, right? But he handles him like Kotaro or like rather like Kento. Um, like Kento just, just isn't a big guy at all. And Kento's over six foot, but like you would just never like get the sense of that, right? From how Kotaro handles people like him. So there was just a lot of... Um, there was a lot of fun to watching Kento work this and um, he barely won the match. He, he kind of won the match um, on what I guess like what you would call like what a roll up almost at the end there, but he barely won. And, you know, he was being funny and silly against the ropes of Kotaro as Kotaro was kind of like walking off and Kotaro was sort of like, you know, walking away in like disbelief because he almost had it, but like he almost had it right. Like, like Kento barely just squeaked out this win over, um, over Kotaro and I I was just really kind of blown away that like this was had nothing to do with anything other than him showing his great respect and admiration for Kotaro Suzuki out of seemingly nowhere I, I really feel so strongly about this I think you know Kotaro Suzuki is someone who we saw this year in all Japan Asuka Oyagi is a is a massive fan um we saw a lot of that in Asuki's defense with Kotaro, how much of he's been influenced by Kotaro. And that was wonderful too. So we've seen like now these two big uh, tributes to Kotaro, which is so deserved. I mean, he is someone who has had a lot of influence on the people he's wrestled with and who he's um, been a part of training, um, but also in the people who have grown up watching him and who have become wrestlers. And I don't think he always gets recognized for that in the same way as other people at all. And I also do want to mention that in Kotaro even though he's moved on from Noah for now, this is a man who has a fan club and a lot of the fan club members are Noah fans, but he still makes the time to connect with his fans and connect with people who feel very strongly about Noah in a way that I think other wrestlers don't always connect with people and connect with their fans. Like this is a very special man. So it doesn't really surprise me that even today, Kento being the superstar Kento Miyahara, the ace Kento Miyahara, it doesn't surprise me that he wanted to to do something like this for him um, and tribute to him as well. So I was just fascinated that it came, that it came about like this, but I wanted to also note and afterwards Kento tweeted that Kotaro taught him how to live as a professional wrestler. And he was happy to have the singles match against him. And he still feels like Kotaro takes pride in his own wrestling. He looks forward to seeing his senpai again. So a lot of respect and deference to Kotaro. And I just want to point out that that bit about, Kotro taught him how to live as a professional wrestler. That is language and phrasing that I see Kotro and Marafuji when they talk about Misawa. That is how they talk about Misawa. I think it's a very specific way of 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 Kotro imparting what he has learned as um, a person in this industry to people that has not always everything to do with wrestling. I think that's what he has been able to impart on people like Kento. And that's what Kento is referring to here. I think that's the connection and why he's using that phrasing here. 
Um, so yeah, just like a very special random thing to get on this Shinkaba card that has nothing to do with anything other than Kento paying tribute to this man that he hasn't had a singles match with since like 2011, which is just kind of wild, but also incredibly special. Yeah, you said it. It was it was really good. Um, I love the way that Kento does these roll-ups. Like you the really feel that he's like scraping the bottom of the bear like just to get any sort of victory he can and I mean, this is kento miyahara like he doesn't need to be like doing this but he he wants to show how strong they like it means something every time he does this and um it's it always carries a slightly different meaning based on the the opponent like you know when he does it with cyrus it's because cyrus is, is fuck huge um and very strong and then with Kotaro it's because Kotaro is a legend he's incredible and he knows Kento like you said so beautifully like it it's just really really well done and I thought this match was was really good um I did like that you mentioned that it has nothing to do with anything um because you're right it, it doesn't but at the end he does um call out Hokuto Omori kind of um he because Hokuto is making that tag challenge with uh, Minoru Suzuki and he he's like hey Hokuto I'm standing out here I'm really weak from Kotaro Senpai I'm really defenseless oh no what if somebody attacked me right now and then nobody attacks him and he's like oh okay well whatever and um and goes off and I thought that was just really funny and a really um fun clever way for him to again pay you know that respect to Kotaro like oh wow he really beat me up and this would be a really great chance for you know the big bad wolf to come beat me um and then also you know to connect it to uh the little bit of storyline he's got going on right now so it was just um it was really good I enjoyed the whole thing start to finish Yeah, it's interesting how <clears throat> how many um, interactions, whether it be through Kensuke office or, or others, uh, this year alone uh, have happened in terms of people that were involved with the jump from Noah to all Japan and then for some back to Noah afterwards. Um, whether by, by design or not, I'm not really sure. It seems maybe like it might, might, might be a little bit. But um, I, I don't know. Watching these two and, and just hearing you guys talk about it here, I think it's interesting because, like, Kento is obviously who who he is. Um, he dominates most matches. He wins a lot of the time, and it's always pretty much at the pace in which he sets, um, and then you just have to kind of keep up or survive. Um, and then to, uh, Kataro is, like, like, like those kind of life events or people in your life where no matter how much you grow or develop as an individual, they just cut the legs out from underneath you. And it doesn't matter where you are, like whether it be nostalgia of a feeling that you had previously when you were younger uh, or less experience, which would be the case for Kento or, or anything else. I think there's that second guessing yourself essentially that leads to your downfall a lot of the time. And I mean, you know, like we said, Kento barely survived here. Like he, he was the pretty minus a few blackout knees. It was all Katara the entire time he was on top of him. Um, and I just think, I think that is really the, it's really, really rare that you see that with Kento specifically because he just doesn't really have that. But I think it'll be interesting uh, 
in a little bit of time, and um, we'll talk about it in a minute, but um, to see how a certain other kind of match goes with somebody that has a similar relationship with Kento um, and, ha- and how that goes. Because I think it- it's so rare that we ever see that for him. It's always he has seniority or isn't worried, like ne- isn't, isn't phased at all or, or, or doubts himself in any kind of capacity. But with this... Katara will always be his senpai. So there's nothing there's nothing he can do about that relationship or change in that regard. And maybe that kind of creates that feeling of helplessness when it comes to being in the ring with him. So yeah, we also had a little bit more astronauts on this card um, just before that match had um, Fuminori Abe, Takia Nomura, and Ru Inoue. Um, with Hokuto Amori, Naoki Tanazaki, and Naruki Doi, and that was another time limit draw, um, which I I didn't mind as much as the uh, the draw with Hayato and Yutani. That was really fun. Um, I just I like seeing Nomura, and you got the you got the real Shin um, Shinkaba first ring treatment with Nomura here. Like he got he got quite the hero's welcome, um, which was really good to see. And then um, seeing him team up with, um, seeing astronauts team up with Ro Inoue was really, really good as well. Like they were really fun. Um, Yeah, I I enjoyed this match. So um, I was curious. I know, Luce, you're a big fan of astronauts. So I was curious about what you thought. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, stylistically, in a way, fits like a glove with those two, I think, uh, for the most part, and ter- definitely in terms of striking. Um, Doi, Tanazaki, and Amori is such an interesting team, too, because I, I, I love Doi. I think Doi has done really, like, I think he's definitely filled the role that he needed to coming into all Japan and working as much as he has for them. Tanazaki is a weird one. He, um, I, I don't know what he does. I think he, I think he works for 666 most of the time. I think that's him. Um, I'm not really sure. It, whatever. Shows that you don't really see make tape a lot of the time is where he usually is. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> which is a bit of a theme now at this point with um, some of the matches we've been talking or shows we've been talking about. But um, yeah, I think, I think it's great. I mean, it was, it was fun the entire time. It was 20 minutes. Um, it kind of flew by, but judging by who's in that ring, I mean, you got, it's going to because of the pace that they just set. Um, yeah, I, I think again, Amori is just like, I know obviously it, 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 in some ways, I mean, after the challenge, he obviously now has a bit of a direction, but I, I think he, again, he's just like, he, he might be a bit used to like, well, I kind of just have to set myself up for looking good, uh, in, in the cases where other people won't do that now, or Bookie won't do that for me. And I think he's managed to do that most of this month, um, in any opportunity he's been given really. Yeah, absolutely. I thought this match, I mean, to be fair, I thought that pretty much like every match on this card was really great. And then I think it's when you get to the co-main and the main event where you could maybe go like eh, back and forth about that. But like this was definitely one where um, it's funny that we got two time limit draws on this card, but like this was completely fine to me that it went to a draw. I, I really enjoyed it um i'm never gonna say no to astronauts coming on to any of these cards like i could take abe and um takia any single day i was thinking like i'm already in like real world tag league planning mode because this is that's like that's my you know time of year 
um and we're getting into like we're I'm we're we're getting into like royal road territory obviously but like my brain is already in like whoa who's gonna come and do real world tag league I would love it if astronauts would come and do real world tag league that would be ideal so that's all I kept thinking about when I was watching this match but I loved that they adopted Rio Inoue I thought that that was really really sweet um that was just a team that worked super super well and I thought that um Hokuto Amori was really good in this too like I feel like um as we got through the month with him he was looking like much stronger and um I think better than he had in maybe the tour previously. I feel like he just needed to get past like the very beginning of the month where he got stuck on like a junior match <laughs> at the very beginning of a card again. And then things kind of improved for him. But yeah, this was, this is just a, just a good card, just good wrestling. And I think that Inoue looked great. I loved that like Abe afterwards was like really talking Inoue up and saying that like, he just keeps getting stronger and stronger. And like, that's really cute. And then like, of course, like Abe and Yuma have to take the weirdest photos of each other. Um, which is why I really like Abe being around too, because him and Yuma are so weird together. Um, so yeah, a lot of positives to having these guys on the cards, and I just really enjoyed this one. I think that with the, I mean, feel free to jump in, anyone. I think we can kind of maybe move through these fairly quickly. I just think that it was disappointing when you have a team like Daisuke Sakamoto and Tsuwama, always disappointing when it ends in a double countout. Again, like you, you, Voodoo murders mousing around. Suwama dealing with his vendetta against the the twins but this was whatever I just wish that this could have like actually gone to something if you're gonna have Suwama have um Sekimoto in the ring with him um it just didn't really go anywhere that I think important but that was just my opinion about it the main um I referenced this earlier I think that some of these like um six-man house show tags have been lacking if Nagata is in them to be frank um they have not been to the standard that we know we can reach so disappointing for me um but you know the only thing actually i will say this the coolest thing nagata has ever done as triple crown champion is beat the shit out of atsuki in front of yuma that's the coolest thing he's ever done as triple crown champion which you get in this main and that's about it the other weird thing that i think we forgot to touch on is that honda um did he do this last month or this month am i mixing up this my course this, this month no, this month yep I, I completely forgot he <clears throat> after he was so after he was not able to you know defeat t-hawk whatever that whole side plot he went to <laughs> he went to uh my god nagata and said well i want a team with you now and i have not like as i've sat with this more I, I think it's supposed to sort of in a lot of ways parallel what like Ashino did with Suwama when they formed um, Runaway Suplex, right? But you don't get the same effect here, I think, at all. Um, it's just doesn't doesn't work for me. It also doesn't make any sense because I love the Honda came out so strong and definitive and was like, we don't need any more outsiders taking our belts. I'm coming in here to disrupt this, blah, blah, blah. Like, I love that he took a stand, but then he immediately turns around and is like, now I want to tag with you, Nagata. But then we've barely seen him and Nagata work together. It's only been in these random things like in here now where we're starting to see him do that. And it just doesn't work for me. It's just weird. Um, Watto almost dropped his title and then almost fell off the top rope <laughs> at the very start of this. 
that's all I've got. And then at the end, you get Nagata and Yuma sort of facing off because this is really the last one. And then July 2nd is going to be their match for the Triple Crown, which we'll get into in a second when we talk about what's coming up in July. So this was our essentially our go-home show before we find out whether it's going to be Yuma winning the Triple Crown or Nagata retaining. But this wasn't like a super exciting match. I think like right now, if you want Yuma to win, you're excited. I don't think you needed this match to make you excited. Um, they're doing a lot of promotion for Yuma online and on Twitter and stuff for this. So if you're excited, you're already there. I don't think you needed this main event to get you there. So that's it. That's all I got. Does anyone have any other notes before we move on to the mid-year awards? I think uh, that's more importantly than any promotion, um, and you pointed this out, Alicia, that we've had for Yuma so far is Yuma posted a picture of him staring at the ocean, which almost certainly means that oh he is winning. Crown, yeah. Once yeah. You, once you stare at the ocean, I think at dawn, um, he was like watching the sunrise over the ocean. That's that's like yeah, he's winning the triple crown. Um, so that was very important. But yeah, yeah, the match was fine. I like seeing Watto and Otsuki um interact. They they have a lot of fun together. Otsuki stealing Watto's pose is always funny to me. Um, but yeah, it was it was fine. It was a match. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't watch this out of uh, solidarity to I don't want to see another Saito's <laughs> DQ and a goddamn Yoshitatsu match because I've just been chased the entire month with them on pretty much every show. Um, I think it's interesting uh, that it, mentioning that about um, Yuma is that because uh, I think that's the start of his, or maybe only his big matches, but um, his entrance video is Rolling Waves as well at the start, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Honda thing doesn't make any sense. Like, I could somewhat understand Ashino, who obviously ran up against the wall, which was Suwama for a while uh, and never got to get over it for a bit before going, okay, well, let's team together. Whereas Honda exactly, said exactly what you said. And then... Um, knows the relationship with Nagata that Ashina has and then goes, yeah, 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 but we'll tag, like we'll tag together. Um, so in turn, I then don't, I don't blame Ashino cheering on T-Hawk in the Corican Hall match because his boy has left him high and dry for the dude that stopped him from getting into New Japan. So yeah, I don't, um, I don't blame him at all. It's a weird, God, Dungas is so, such a weird group. So weird. Very, yeah. And they don't make very much sense sometimes. They don't at all, but yeah. we'll have to see how all of that pans out. And hopefully um, this won't be a thing for Honda for too much longer. We'll see. But from here, let's get into our mid-year awards. We did this last year. So excited to run through these. And I'm going to give Jessie's first um, so that we can lead off with hers. And I think maybe the best thing to do to we're because we're we're running a little, a little long here i'm just going to read straight through them so for jesse her junior wrestler at the midpoint in the year is naruki doi if he doesn't count because he's not technically like you know a agpw signee i guess then she would say rising hayato uh for heavyweight wrestler she is saying kento miyahara her junior match is atsuki versus koto suzuki from february 4th her heavyweight match is Kento versus Yuma from Champion Carnival Day 1. Her shocking moment is Ashino announcing that he was injured days after winning Champion Carnival. Can't blame her for that one. And then her fashion moment at the midpoint in the year is Suama with his yellow shirt and purple hat that he just wore. So 
That's very much a Jesse choice, so I don't blame her. Mm. I'll run through mine really quickly as well. My best junior wrestler, I don't think this is going to be any surprise, is Rising Hayato. My best heavyweight wrestler, I hemmed and hawed about this. It's really hard. It's really hard. I gave it to Kento because of how much he has done um, for All Japan this year and how much he is about to do. This says nothing, though, about how I feel about Yuma Aoyagi. Best junior match for me was Naruki Doi versus Hayato. Best heavyweight match, Kento Miyahara and Takuya Nomura versus Yuma Aoyagi and Naoya Nomura. But I do want to mention Kento and Yuma from day one of Champion Carnival as well. My shocking moment is the All Japan Noah cooperation in service of the Diamond Ring storyline matches. That's kind of like a collective moment, but I cannot stop screaming basically since we started getting this um, with the announcement of the match going into Muto's retirement show. So um, this match or this rather this year has been kind of built around all of my hyperfixation. So I'm really excited about that. My fashion moment of the midway point. This is where I think we're all going to maybe be, maybe I'll be different from you too. I went with Kento for the suit he wore to the one night dream presser, Lewis. He made a face at me, but that suit was beautifully tailored. It was gorgeous. Rachel, you agreed that it was gorgeous. I'm laughing because that was my choice too. <laughs> I cannot wait to see what Lewis's is. Cause it's not I'm that. so mad right now. I'll read through my next. Cause I do have a second place for that one, but anyway. Okay. <laughs> so you you are right though Alicia. um best <laughs> junior wrestler rising hayato who else um best heavyweight wrestler kento miyahara has just blown me away this year um best junior match also um narki doi versus um rising hayato best heavyweight match um for me was congo versus nomuyagi and then shocking moment, Alicia and I are really on the same um, wavelength here. Um, the, the crossovers in general, but specifically Kento's backstage after the Muto retirement show left me in tears. Like I was just, I couldn't stop yeah. crying. The way that he delivered that was yeah. false. Kind of like an I hour have, after that. Yeah, I was, oh, I was possessed. I couldn't stop like- I had to translate it and it is on my Twitter if you want to want to check that out. But it's um yeah, that was incredible. And then my fashion award was <laughs> Kento Miyahara's suit from the One Night Dream press conference. I was wondering if that's the one <laughs> my second place would be Rising Hayato's um new gear. It is uh, of course. I, if yeah, anything, they're tied for first. They were absolute moments that parallel yeah, each yeah. other in a lot of ways, Lewis. Yeah, they're Walk both plaid suits. <laughs> Obviously. Um, and and it's inspired by Vivian Westwood, which I thought was really cool. Um, a lot of a lot of trendy like Tokyo boys love Vivian Westwood, which I find really cute. Um, and he like had them based on his favorite pair of like Vivian Westwood pants, which I, I thought was fun. But anyway, um, yeah, so Lewis, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um I thought I'd really change it up and pick Rising Hayato as my favorite junior this year. Um, I, I think it's just, I mean, there's not, what can you say? It's un, it's kind of undeniable. Like you can't, 
you can't say anything. I, I don't really know what case you could make. Um, best heavyweight was Yuma for me. I, 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 um, I yep. think that's m- maybe more of a comment on my relationship with him only because it, ha- it has like, I went through growing pains with Yuma for, for years and this last, like this year and last year, it's really like I've come around to being like, this is probably like one of my favorite wrestlers, honestly. Um, I'm so glad Alicia's camera is off so that I don't have to see her face when I say this next. This might be recency bias as well. My best junior match is, is Ashida versus Ayagi. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm not just doing that to be annoying. Like I really, <laughs> really did enjoy that match. Um, that was an amazing match though. I probably would have, yeah. honestly, if I had thought about it more, I would have taken my um, Doi answer out and put that because I loved that. So I'm with you. I think that's great. Uh, but it, it, it is so close with Hayato versus Kataro. Like it's so close. It, it's very hard to kind of differentiate the two. Um, uh, my best heavyweight match was Kento and Takoya versus Yuma and Nomura. Um, that was incredible. There was a runner-up of T-Hawk versus Ashino only because of how important that was for Ashino. Mm-hmm. Um, my shocking moment was, I, I know it's kind of just painting a broad brush, but again, the two of you, similar to the two of you, anything Kensuke offers is kind of, and I mean, I think for me is also just the timing of this podcast talking about that versus that happening. I think that was a massive thing too because I, I remember listening to the episode and going, nobody talks about this ever ever and then and then it started playing out and i was like i can't believe that these two don't hold the book but anyway um <laughs> and then my fashion weirdly i, I think everyone's figured it out my fashion choice is rising higher to and like the first look was was something but then like the i think it was it all together he came out with the new one mm-hmm. and he ate like it was <laughs> incredible like that was one of and like that's why he garnered so much attention not only just ring work but just the look was incredible stunning and like i've said this before but he i need to figure out what he uses for his makeup setting spray because like it doesn't move it doesn't move it's outstanding but he just looked amazing he did like the makeup and the whole look from all together again it's a moment i agree with you i agree with you we're gonna have to do something about those shoes, but you know, yeah, <laughs> those well, shoes we, that Baba know. from Heaven is just fucking <laughs> laying into him. Yeah, he said that the love- old men in the back were not happy with the shoes, so you know it's like Wada, Suwama, Shuji, Takao. Yeah, ridiculous. All flipping best- out because he has no ankle support. <laughs> Yeah, but the best wrestlers wrestle in Nike Air Force Ones. That's the, that's how you know you have an ace on your hands. Oh, an ace who's going to break his ankle, God forbid. My God. All right, so we're going to move into June moments. June 3rd marked the fourth anniversary of the passing of Atsushi Aoki. Various members of the pro wrestling NOAA and All Japan rosters paid their respects in their own ways to Aoki. I highly, highly recommend reading Hikaru Sato's Instagram post in tribute to his beloved friend and former tag team partner and stablemate. His palpable grief but deep love for Aoki are important things to recognize, and I do want to say that you can also find a lot of Aoki's best work for free on YouTube, let alone um, on things like AJPW.TV and everything else. So please seek out Aoki's work. He was so, so vitally important and remains important to this day. The people that you watch in All Japan and NOAA, they, they they benefited from him and from him being around. 
A really interesting June moment happened on the 4th at sumo wrestler Ikioi Shota's retirement ceremony at Ryogoku Kogikikan. Ikioi had announced his retirement from sumo in June 2021, and as I understand it, he's been working as a coach in the Esanumi stable since that point. Kento attended the event on June 4th, as did pro wrestling Noah's Masakitamiya and Katsuhiko Nakajima. All three men were involved in the ceremony by cutting off small pieces of Ikioi's hair with a pair of scissors. And I don't really know that much about sumo or the ceremony, so I reached out to Sumo Soul on Twitter for more context. And I'm going to read to you what Sumo Soul said to me. He said, quote, There, meaning the sumo wrestler's top knot, is the most obvious sign of their status. This ceremony is for friends, family, and supporters to cut piece by tiny piece of the hair from their retiring sumo, which is then used for the sumo during tournaments. Many people also pay for the privilege of cutting it. In the final moment, the wrestler's own stable master or coach cuts off the last part of the top knot, and the tears come from the wrestler, and the crowd loves it. So a big thank you to Sumo Soul for taking the time to answer my DM and their handle is the Sumo Soul on Twitter. Kento had spent time with Ikioi before the ceremony and they had posted photos with each other on social media back on May 16th. If you want to see videos of Kento participating in the ceremony, they're on his social media and you can find the videos and photos of Masa and Katsukiko participating by searching on Twitter as well. I do want to note that I forgot to put this back into the outline, but I believe Ashino just participated like within the last two days of another sumo wrestler's retirement ceremony probably participating in the same exact thing um which is very interesting to me so yeah just very wanted to mention this because i thought it was interesting and you can find the videos on twitter and kento social media we also had kenta kobashi's fortune dream 8 which was held on june 14th in cork and hall this year, Yuma Aoyagi was our only All Japan Pro Wrestling participant on the card. He was in the main event with T-Hawk and Taki Nomura versus Ayato Yoshida, Hayato, Tam- uh, excuse me, Hayato Tamura, and Tetsuya Endo, which ended in a 30-minute time limit draw. All Japan alumni Jun Akiyama and Minoru Suzuki performed on the card, and Stan Hansen made an appearance as well, entering the ring opposite Kobashi-san and participating in an interview in ring with him, which looked great unfortunately fortune dream 8 will air on tv on july 5th so we'll have a little bit um, more time to wait until we actually see anything from this just more things that haven't really hit our uh, our sphere yet but kobashi has announced fortune dream 9 will be held in 2024 so it's something to look forward to as well at noah green journey 2023 on june 17th in aichi nagoya international conference center event hall jake lee defeated takashi sugira to retain the ghd heavyweight championship Sugira was Jake's third defense, but his next challenger has yet to be named. We probably won't get another one for a while because they're about to go into the N1, which I think is probably a good thing. I need a break, to be honest with you. Also on that card, following Axis defeating Kongo, Katsupiko Nakajima announced during his backstage that he and Kento Miyahara will have a singles match for the first time in 11 years at Noah's July 15th One Night Dream card in Corican Hall. So Rachel translated a little bit of um, Katsuhiko's backstage that I'm just going to um, briefly sort of read to you um, just to kind of get an idea of why he is calling for this now. Um, He's talking about uh, Keno um, and and, uh, All Japan, and he says, and on Congo, the world tag titles, Keno, even though you lost, you still advertise your own event, meaning Keno's 50th anniversary show that just passed. 
That's why Noah is being mocked. Listen up, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Let's do something interesting. July 15th at Noah's Corrigan Hall show, Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Kento Miyahara in a singles match. It's decided. The press asked, why so suddenly? <laughs> Which like, oh, you know, why so suddenly? And he said, well, let me finish. Hey, Kento, let's have a conversation in the ring. After all these years, the time has come. So that is how we end up at this singles match being decided which is very big of him, a man who constantly talks about never wanting to talk about the past. Noah held a press conference on June 20th that Kento and Katsuhiko attended to address the singles match announcement, which can be viewed on their YouTube page. Rachel has been kind enough to translate the transcript of their interactions with each other and is available at our blog, kickout299.wordpress.com. Their responses to questions about each other were intense and really spoke to the weight of the story they are telling together and so much of what we've been talking about between them since Muto's retirement show. It's so worth checking out the conference on YouTube and, of course, Rachel's translations over on the Kickout blog. Tickets have gone on sale for One Night Dream already, and they are completely sold out. There literally will not be one ticket available on the day of the show. They are done. They are at capacity, which is pretty incredible. So... Rachel Lewis, thoughts on Jake's win against Sugira, if you have any? And then what do we think briefly about Katsuhiko and Kento finally coming together for this one night dream? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think you said it best when you said all of um, our hyperfixations are just sort of compiling together in, in like this big Katamari ball. Um, no, the, um, I'm really, really happy with Jake's run. I'm just, I'm thrilled. I, I really can't say it enough. I love um, just the champion he is and that we're continuing that with um, this incredible match. The match was so good. Um, and and for Sugira to, to have that moment, um, again, as as the gatekeeper of Noah is, is always just really great to see. And, um, and then Jake, like his interactions with children lately, um, if you're not watching those and wa watching his matches in Noah, please, please do. He's just a really wonderful champion. And I'm really happy he gets to be champion going into the end one. It's a really hard job to have um, to be the champion during a, uh, a tournament, especially in it's, it's looking like a really good tournament. So um, I'm excited to to see what comes out of that. If we get any new exciting challengers out of his block, his block looks really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I'm really thrilled about that. And then um, I really don't think I've said anything. Like I I think I've said everything about One Night Dream. <laughs> um, like I just I just talk nonstop about this. Um, and and I do encourage you to not only read my translations, but like Alicia said, go watch the conference as well. Like watch it along with it because um, a lot of a lot of the storytelling is especially in Katsuhiko. Um, his facial expressions are just his smirk is just insufferable like I would have slapped him too in fact actually I don't think one slap was enough from Kento um it's, yeah um no I I think this is just an incredible storyline and the way that it's playing out I love that um Lewis mentioned how with Kotaro Kento will always be the junior and, and Kotaro will always be the senpai and now you have this situation where Kento doesn't want to be the Kohai and he doesn't want um, Nakajima to be the senpai forever. He wants to be acknowledged. And, and now you're getting that played out in such a visceral way. And, and Nakajima just 
won't do it. He won't talk about the past. He won't acknowledge Kento as being something greater than himself. And, and because there's a lot of insecurity there, it's, it's just wonderful and incredible. And I'm, I'm, I cannot express how excited I am for this match. Just, just a few more weeks more. Um, Lewis, what are your thoughts? Um, God, I, I, I wouldn't know where to start about talking about um, Katsu and, and, and Kento, but I'll, so I'll, I'll talk about the Jake and, and Sugiro match. Um, to me, uh, and I think to a lot of people, Sugiro is the the Terminator Iron Man last kind of samurai of Noah, I think, even now, um, years later. I think, I think that's still the case. Um, and he always will be, in my opinion. Um, so I think in terms of defences... For me personally, this was the one where I was like, I could, I could see it going either way uh, in terms of what happens here. Um, I would love a Seguro reign again; that'd be great. Um, but I think what Jake is doing for Noah um, can't be understated, um, and how different it's been from anything before him. In, in just just by virtue of him not being originally a Noah guy, and and now for the time being, being a Noah guy. Um, I, I think I've mentioned it before about other wrestlers. I think I said something about Desperado back in the day, but the way that Jake talks is like something you, it's so rare in the way that he, I, I mean, I don't speak Japanese, but it, you don't really need to. He forms sentences and structures the way that he kind of moves in and out throughout words in such a like, like encapsulating way that just draws you in that like you, you wait for him to speak. Um, I th- and I think maybe a couple of year go- years ago, that might not have been so much the case, but I think he's really just in the last couple of years, put it together uh, in the way that he, it doesn't, it's not a lot. It's never a lot. It's, but it's always with meaning. And in the way that it's said um, brings your attention in every single time. Um yeah, I, I can't, I mean, I can't uh, like talk enough about how incredibly proud like I am, like I'm like his dad, proud of Jake I am <laughs> uh, in terms of what he's done. I feel like his dad sometimes um, in what he's done, uh, not only for all Japan, obviously, um, but but Noah at this point as well. I think um, he brings such an interesting flavor to that company that they haven't maybe ever had or haven't had in a very long time in terms of the personality that he that he has um in terms of what what obviously i think a lot of people that listen to this podcast and the two of you and and jesse as well um like their main attention which would be kento and and nakajima um there's not i don't think i have enough i don't have the words to explain just how important this match is this is in terms of relationships with all of those men from Kensuke office. I think this is the one that people know about the most. I think some people have the wrong idea now, unfortunately, um, about how that relationship is and how frayed or not frayed it is anymore. But the history that the two of those have together, the two of them have together, um, is something that you should seek out and you can seek out and you can find stuff out if you listen to kick out uh, and listen to their episode on Kensuke office. And it would tell you a lot about what, how important this is and the timing um, of that episode and what's happened this year in terms of that being the weaving storyline between all Japan and Noah for the most part uh, can't be understated because it's, um, 
yeah, it, sorry, can't be overstated. It's it's so important um, for all involved, that being Masa, Kento, and uh, Katsu. So yeah, I'm I'm so excited for that match. I can't and like of course it sold out Korokin. I think they 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 designated standing room and that sold out as well. From what I understand, I think I read that. Um, incredible. Uh, this year is so weird, but also so in- like just the the history that you get after not being touched for years and years on end. And then finally this year, it's all rolling, rolling down the pipeline um, has been great. So moving on, we have some, we have the most insane like ups and downs of Yuma Anzai news to cover. Um, So on June 19th, uh, Shukan Parasu revealed their cover for that week. And Anzai earned his very first solo cover for his match with Nagata. Really cool achievement. Unfortunately, we also learned on June 19th that Anzai would miss a few cards due to a torn left tricep muscle sustained at Ota Ward. Anzai later posted a video saying he would be back in action on July 8th at All Japan's Radiant Hall show. So that's good news. But also on June 22nd, it was announced that Anzai would compete in NOAA's N1 Victory Tournament from August 6th through September 9th. All Japan announced via their website and social media that he would miss six dates, including one stop on their summer action series tour, their entire four card Royal road tournament and the start of their giant series tour in September. If you're unfamiliar, the winner of Noah's N one goes on to challenge the GHC heavyweight champion for the title. Anzai's block includes Goshi Azaki, Katsuhiko Nakajima, El Ijo Del Wagner Jr., Manabu Soya, Daiki Inaba, Saxon Huxley, and Lance Anawai. Interestingly enough. So, Super exciting news about Anzai. We're going long here, so I'm going to keep moving, but I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say in between now and then for Anzai entering the N1. Um, Something I found interesting is that Atsuki Aoyagi and Yuma Anzai are also scheduled for a talk battle together on September 10th via Shining Event, which was announced in the last week or so. And they're going to do some photo sessions for fans after the event. Really feels like the new All Japan when these two younger stars are already doing their own talk battles together. Um, I thought that was very interesting to note. All Japan also announced their September Giant Series dates on June 19th, and there's some really killer stuff in here. The dates are September 2nd, the 3rd, the 8th, the 14th, and the 23rd. Venues include Nagano, Karazawa, Kazakashi Park Gymnasium, which is a hockey arena they haven't run in almost 30 years. We also have Nigata Ore Nagaoki, which holds 5,000 people, and Tokyo National Yoyogi Stadium Second Gymnasium, which holds 4,000 people. I'm pretty sure that one is either... Noah still runs it or they used to run it. Um, so that's pretty interesting. We'll also get a Corkin and a Shinkiba first ring in there. So Giant Series is shaping up to be a really, really exciting tour. Unfortunately, I've got to end on more injury news, though. So on June 25th, All Japan announced that Shuji Ishikawa was injured at one of their sponsor shows that took place on the 23rd, and he didn't wrestle on the sponsor show on the 24th as a result. But Shuji has been diagnosed with a cervical sprain and was removed from the June 26th and July 2nd cards. Oji Shiba was also injured during practice and taken off the June 26th show due to a suspected meniscus damage, um, due to suspected meniscus damage in his left knee. So I hope that both of them get better and we see them back on shows soon. I'm going to run through what's coming up in July next. We have Summer Action Series, like I referred to before. That takes place on July 2nd, 16th, 22nd, and 23rd. Um, on the 8th, there's also Evolution 5. So we have quite a packed July for All Japan. 
Noteworthy title matches coming up on July 2nd include Yuji Nagata versus Yuma Aoyagi for the Triple Crown and Asuki Aoyagi versus El Lindemann for the World Junior. Real quick, who do you guys have coming out as the winners of these matches? I have Aoyagi's across the board. Oh yeah, brother domination. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Uh, same thing. Aoyagi, the both better win. <laughs> There will also be a new face joining the tour next month. I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm not going to get this pronunciation right. It's something like Aguilo Blanc, a luchador born in Paris. Nikon Lee appears to have done some scouting during her time roughing in Germany. So yeah, we'll look forward to seeing him next month too. Additional matches have been announced for July 2nd and potentially some of the other cards. So check out All Japan Social for the latest news there. You can also go to all-japan.co.jp slash events to view All Japan's calendar, which includes their regular tour dates and any special appearances roster members are making with other promotions or sponsor events. We don't always cover the sponsor events because they just don't make tape, but you can find a lot of photos on Twitter as well. So let's run through some match recs really quickly, but I'll say off the top, we'd love some feedback from those of you listening about how much you're enjoying the segment as we reach the midpoint in the year. Is the segment working for you? Are you taking anything from it? Are you looking at the spreadsheet on our blog? Um, should we be doing something else with our time here? DM us at kickout299 or email us at kickoutat299 at gmail.com with your thoughts and ideas. We'd really appreciate you. For doing that, I'm going to go and read mine really quickly first. Um, I'm going with Yoshihiro Takayama versus Suwama from August 30th, 2009. I don't have a ton of notes because I don't really think I have to like give you guys a ton of notes. If I tell you to go watch a Takayama versus Suwama match, I feel like you should just go watch Takayama versus Suwama. It's their only singles match, I believe, and it's phenomenal. This is one of like the most like blistering professional wrestling professional wrestling matches I've ever watched. I love this match. Um, there are so many great spots in it. Also watch Don Fry versus Takayama from Pride. Um, the 21st anniversary of that match just passed. It was on June 23rd. And then I'm going to link in the show notes Takayama shop so that you can go and buy some of his really cool merch because that merch goes towards um, the sales of it goes towards his care, which um, I hope that you guys will go and consider buying um, some of that merch and don't forget to support him, Otani, and Joe Doring, all of whom have different ways you can support them. Um, so, yeah. Well, um, mine was, I did say that I um, went back and watched uh, Minoru Suzuki and Taioke, some of their um, tag matches. My favorite was on um, October 11th, 2008. That was against uh, Tenkoji, so um, Hiroshi Tenzin and Satoshi Kojima. Um, which again was why Alicia got, um, was, was mad because Kojima seems to follow her everywhere, but that this match is, is really good. It's, it's really intense and, um, yeah, they, they just go really hard at each other and, and no complaints about it. So definitely go check that out. To be fair, I couldn't even get rid of him at Forbidden Door because he showed up there too. So yeah, he's everywhere. He's opening every Forbidden Door. Mm. <laughs> popping right in. Oh Yeah um do i have a match to recommend only because i talked about it um i was wrong as well with the year but i would really recommend going and watching if you've watched the oda Ward show and you want to see another interaction between strong bj and violent giants go and watch the 19th of january february march 
2019, which is their, I believe it's in Corican Hall. Uh, it's their second match with Strong BJ. It's probably the it's probably the best match between them uh, so far. Um, so far, crossing fingers. Um, and uh, yeah, it's absolutely it's 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 on the same level, if not more physical than the one that uh, happened this month. Excellent. So we're going to wrap up and don't forget, you can go to AJPW.TV and sign up for all Japan streaming service for 9.99 yen a month, which includes their live shows and VOD shows have a turnaround of a day or less. So it's really worth it. Um, I'm Alicia. You can find me at Sharanui Kai with two eyes. You can find me and Rachel at kickout 299 as well. Please do us a favor. And if you um, are enjoying um, our episodes, please go to your preferred podcast platform and give us a five-star rating. Um, it's incredibly helpful for us, helps more people find us, which is great. Um, and we thank all of you who have been giving us ratings um, on Spotify and such recently, and also on Apple. Um, we've been just um, overwhelmed by um, the amount of support that you guys have shown us. So please um, do that if you haven't already. And thank you if you have. All right. Well, Lewis, one more time, if you could um, give everyone your Twitter handle, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my at is, I don't know what, because I didn't know how Twitter worked when I first got it. So you could probably just find me at Hideki Suzuki's Purple Trunks. Um, I post a lot of crap, but then occasionally I'll have the odd good take. Uh, so look out for that. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And you can find me, Rachel, at Milky Star. That's M-I-I-K-Y Star. Again, you can find us at Kickout. And this is Talking Triple Crown. We will see you next month.